version 2.0 i am dan this is episode 227 i was gonna try that in german but i looked at the spelling and i thought normal people don't speak german <laughs> only germans <laughs> speak german <laughs> nice you're, you're in a good mood and you can't be in a good mood and speak german <laughs> i could probably speak german at work all day long then if that's the case. Ah, uh, yes. Aha. Aha. So here we are. The guys are back. Jesse and Justin. Nick's here. What's up? Hi, Dan. What's, What's going, going on, on guys? Did anybody do anything fun this week? I flew. Any flying happen? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Did you fly, Justin? I flew, dude. Did you? Uh, did you sneak a helicopter on your family vacay? Well, yes. Yeah, so, so that that was uh, that was one thing. That's absolutely correct. So, as you guys correctly pointed out last week, I was out on vacation with my wife and my son, which was really awesome. Uh, you know, with work being all crappy lately, it was kind of nice to just get away and not deal with that garbage. And of course, uh, since we were driving down the Oregon coast, basically, we basically took Highway 101, Pacific Coast Highway. It's a beautiful scenery area all the way down. And we took it pretty much all the way down to the southernmost end of Oregon, just about a half hour or an hour north of the California border. Just kind of did our thing, stopped along the way wherever we wanted to, checked out stuff. And so I brought the Goblin 380 and got a little stick action in on that. Um, and, man, it was really cool to just kind of pull over and and uh, fly a little bit and jump back in the car and not really even do anything crazy, but just be out in good weather because the weather was pretty good most of the time and get back to flying a little bit. So (laughs) I really did enjoy that. And then, see, it doesn't stop there, Dan. It absolutely doesn't stop there. I am sitting at the edge of my seat right now in anticipation. Okay, so here it is. I got out. All last Saturday. All day? Beautiful wet. All day, dude. I showed up at the field at 1230. I was the last person to leave. That's not all day, dude. At 7 p.m. The hours before that. What happened to like (laughs) 9 o'clock to 1230? Oh, come on. Don't tell me you were there all day when you're only there from 1230 to 2. Dude, it's cold here in the the morning still. You you guys know... It absolutely is. Is you it 27 up, degrees? It's, it's No, it's not 27, but it's in the 30s, 30s and 40s. Going flying in that shit when I know it's going to be 65 in a couple of hours. Plus, the better excuse was that I wasn't entirely prepared at 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, that's what I was waiting yeah, for. Yeah, there like, we go. There's that's, the Justin that's, we know. That's where it came from. But 
Uh, yeah, so I got out to the field at around 12.30, last person to leave, right around 7 o'clock. Uh, it had already started to get cloudy, so even though it doesn't get dark at 7 yet, it was getting dark enough to make it not worthwhile, basically. Uh, and I got the Nitro Maidened, or Remaidened. Hell yes, dude. Nitro, baby. Oh my god. I don't know what I've been doing for the last year or two since the rave went away. It's time to give up speed, isn't it? It's time to give up speed, isn't it? Uh, no. No. No, we're not giving up speed, but, well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what might be given up here in a few minutes. But, um, so, I took Richard's direction on the correct way to set the needles for break-in. Now, this is your engine, Dan. I didn't get a chance to get my engine swapped out, and I figured, hey, Dan did say you could break in the engine for me, so why the hell sure. not? So, yeah. uh, set the high needle to two. Uh, two. Two turns out, which is actually a quarter turn further out than Richard had originally suggested as a starting point, 1.75, and fired right up, first pull on the starter, uh, did, let's see here, a few flights of break-in, you know, the standard break-in. You start with a hover and a little bit of moving around, and you can't help yourself. Um, at the end of the day, I had put one gallon and two flights through it. Nice. So about so a heat. gallon and a quarter, which is pretty big for me. I mean, even when I was flying Nitro before, because I always had electrics, to fly in between i wasn't burning that much but dude i was feeling it so you know about flight four or five started opening it up a little bit you could tell the engine was uh was really working very well even though it's running rich uh with that thick awesome beautifully smelling ys smoke Mm -hmm. cool power smoke right um it's got tons of power and and i'll tell you what i you, you're probably the only one that can confirm or refute this, Dan, because Jesse hasn't flown one yet, and it's been a while since Nick has flown Nitro to begin with. I immediately felt, once I started tuning this, and I'm not talking like we're not tuned yet. It's still rich. But I immediately felt like this engine had way more power than a 3DS. This is the Turek. Yes. And it, yes. it, you can confirm that. And you're that. using the, what pipe are you using on it? I am using the Turek specific 91 pipe. Okay. I use the pipe for the 120, which is, I think, is very similar. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I had I had heard a couple of people say, yeah, you could try the 120 if you can't get a hold of the Turek specific pipe. But I was blown away at how much power the damn thing so, has. When was the last time you flew a 3DS? Last time I flew a 3DS was in, I would say, halfway through 2014. So right about a year and a half ago. You don't have a clue. I don't know, dude. (laughs) I I think what Jesse's politely getting at. I think the Nitro just feels... I mean, I, I love flying Nitro. I think it just feels like it has a lot of power. It's a lot lighter, but... I don't know if, yeah, it could be tough to say if it has more or not. 
no, I think with it how does. long and ago the reference, you know, your reference was. Part of the reason is, is that Turek motor is designed such that it's got more airflow and more fuel flow, and it mm-hmm. isn't restricted through narrow passages. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, I Jesse, don't know if I'm, it's discernible, but, you know. On paper, though. So, you know, in your I, mind, if, it's, if, if you feel like it's more power in your mind, then yes. Then you're good, yeah. All I'll say is it was more powerful than I expected. Is that ending going to end up being more powerful than a 3DS if you put it on a dyno? I don't know. I, I'd actually be curious if there are any listeners out there that have, in mm-hmm. in more recent times, flown a 3DS and a Turek that are you know properly tuned. Let me know if you uh, if you actually did uh, feel a difference. But man, I was I was really surprised. And you know the NX7, my NX7 is light-ish. But I don't think it's as light as your N7, Jesse. Because if I remember correctly, you were saying yours comes in with a 4,000 receiver pack at like what, uh, 10.8 or 10.9? No, I'd have to look. And mine right that sounds now, about right, though. with my canopy, it is 11.2, I believe, or 11.1. And I didn't fly it with the canopy the whole day just because I didn't feel like it. So that cuts maybe a quarter or a third of a pound off, but still, it had some balls. Nice. Sweet. Really, really loving it. So, so Dan, that gets to the what do I, what do I give up, right? So, you know, I've been thinking this through, and I've, I've voiced it a little bit before. Love my 770, but I want to try to maximize my time on my 3D models, maximize the quality of flight time on my 3D models. And in order to do that, I feel like I've got to have 3D models that I really love, really connect with, enjoy flying, but also am not worried about driving in because of cost or complexity of rebuild, not necessarily because the cost in and of itself is a problem, but because speed is so expensive, and in my mind, keeping the competition machines up and running is the top priority, it sucks when you drive something in that you weren't planning on, and now you're stuck with the decision of, well, do I fix it? And that's going to take a bunch of money away from that next thing I needed for my speed machine, or do I leave it in pieces? So, talking to Nick a little bit. And, uh, you know, Nick was saying that he is interested in trying out a 770 because I think he realized that he's going to need to pick up him or pick himself up a Black Thunder. Black Thunder. That's right. Black (laughs) Thunder. Oh, jeez. Okay, and Jesse, so, you missed it. You were here. Oh no, I listened. Did you listen to the episode? Oh yeah, I, I listened, love it, dude. It's I better will be in person. Black Thunder yeah. for the rest of the the year as well. Yes. So with the arrival of the Black Thunder, Nick is going to get a 770, and I happen to have a 770 with a boom that is very easy easy to detach. So hmm. we were talking today, and I'm thinking that. I am going to pull my 770 boom off and give it to Nick so that he can uh, swap it out with one of his 700s, and then he'll hand me a 700 boom back, 
and I may I may build it up and fly it as a 700 for a little bit, or I may end up eventually getting rid of it as a 700. But I think the Nitro is going to be my main 3D model this year. I think that makes sense nice. with as much speed flying as you do. I mean, and as as little fuel as you as you will burn. I mean, I know you burned a gallon, but I would say on the average weekend. Um, oh yeah. Be- well, I, I mean, get this. Here's a statistic. How many flights do you think I got on my 770 last year? Two. <laughs> I'm gonna no. say less than. Well, less than fifty. Yeah, uh, t- twenty-five. Yeah, thirty. Whoa. Compared to like ten times that on my speed machines. Yeah, and it's so, probably easier. I mean, if you decide to, if you do decide to to sell it, you know, I would think that it would be really easy to get rid of a seven hundred comp versus a seven seventy. Feel like that's a smaller market. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And for a boom swap and opinion swap, it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah, and plus, then you can get a chance to check out the seven seventy pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. I'm not done. I got more. You guys saw uh, my Facebook post where I complained a little bit about having a mishap with the TDR-1. Well, uh, I brought the TDR-1 out to the field to get a couple more flights on it because that was the model, emphasis on was, past tense, uh, the model that I was planning on doing the three-digi speed review on since Nick just recently sent me the three-digi. Well, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, we, we've got to come up with a recovery plan here. Second flight or third flight out on that one, you know, flying along. I, I had a couple of passes in already. I go up towards the top of a, a reverse uh, half Cuban eight to come into the next pass from left to right. And the tail does something really weird. It kind of kicks out. Uh, and then just stops a little bit. You know, it's not spinning, not doing anything crazy. I'm thinking that's weird. It's almost kind of like a static kick for those people who have seen that before. Uh, and okay, so I I abort the Cuban and kind of hang out way up high and play around with it a bit, see what's going on. So I'm moving along, uh, just kind of moseying across the field, and it does another kick. So at this point, I know there's something wrong. I don't want to bring it down under power. Uh, because a lot of uh, stuff goes wrong when there is a <laughs> tail issue under power. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me how I know. Uh. So I said, you know what? No biggie. I'm up high. I got loads of head speed. I'm going to auto it in. So I auto it across the field, left to right. Perfect, uh, perfect slope. Everything's good. No problem. I'm you know, feeling it. Yeah, I'm going to nail this. Uh, I go to flare at the end, and I, I do a pretty strong flare, probably a, I'd call it maybe a 30 or a 40 degree back elevator flare. Right as I flare, the tail kicks out like 90 or 100 degrees. So now I'm kind of sort of like hurricane knife edge and <laughs> a foot or two from the ground. <laughs> that didn't work out well. Whammo! Yeah, so it went in... Uh, Blade struck with a lot of head speed. Basically, because it was a good flare. Oh, dude, it was a good flare. It was a killer flare. Uh, And you got to remember, I was flying up at like 2,400 RPM. Oh, yeah. So I was starting high to begin with. Yeah. 
rip the tail boom off. The, the back end of the tail boom with the rotor flies like 30 or 40 feet in one direction, and the heli's just sort of sitting there. Long story short, uh, I think, and I haven't had a chance to do a full diagnosis yet, but I think that I had something go wrong with the tail servo. I don't know if the servo's dying or not or is dead, um, but that set of servos has easily over a 1,000 flights on it and is probably close to four or five years old. Uh, so it's definitely a possibility. Unfortunately, if it was like a failed tail rod or a linkage, I won't be able to tell because that got ejected along with a couple of other bits. Uh, but here's the good news, right? Other than the tail boom and the torque tube, right, and the, then the tail fin, Pretty mu- and a couple of links on the head. Pretty much everything else is intact. The frame's fine. The gears, the auto hub, the tail, or the, even the torque tube gears and drives are all perfectly fine. Blades? Blades, one of my X713s is good. The other one was destroyed. So hmm. it's probably going to cost me about 300 to fix, 200 of which is the blades. And I've got most of the parts. I don't have all of them. So... That was kind of a bummer, but I went back to the Nitro and the 380, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. So to do the three-digit speed review, I think what I'm going to do, and this ties into what we were just discussing, Dan, I'm going to strip the 770 of components, put them back on the Goblin Speed, the one that I originally did the review on, which has basically just kind of been sitting gutted uh, on the bench, and do the the speed three digi review with that one. Mm. It won't break. Oh no. Nope. It won't. Yeah. Nice. And I think the only other thing is that Nick will probably have his discharger tomorrow. Finally. Yay. Oh damn time. Yeah, no. I know, I know. I heard you guys bitching and whining on the last show. <laughs> <laughs> I got packs here ready to be cycled. I I got you, man. I know. Hang so tight. does that wrap your week up or uh, buy anything, sell anything? Oh, buy anything. Yes, I bought a TDR2. The email came on my birthday. Uh-huh. Jan said, please transfer the following amount in euros. And it will ship in two weeks. So I should have it in a couple of weeks. No, so here's the deal, right? 14% upcharge because of the conversion to euros. You know, plus um, the bank will charge you a little bit uh, for for the transfer. So all in all, TDR2 retracts, two battery trays, two pinions, full carbon fiber, um... Uh, canopy and boom custom sticker set Henselet edition cosmic 200 2750 <laughs> that's not bad is it keep telling yourself that yeah yeah mm-hmm <laughs> come on you forgot well wait, wait wait you forgot to say that it comes with like servos and blades and battery right yeah no 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 <laughs> it's cosmic. an airframe <laughs> and cosmic it, and uh... it does come with a cosmic i just said that 
No, I said mm. cosmics. Oh no, no, not plural. Sorry, no, oh. it doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't throw in a spare. Oh, probably huh. need one. Well, good. Wow, for you, I think. Wow, good. yeah, I'm not sure whether to like pray for you or. <laughs> nah, it didn't hurt. <laughs> Call. I could get you a, a hotline part- number. Oh, yeah, they come have, on. Now, Nick, they have to do have you need an intervention? Nick, do I need to get my calculator out to see how much in total you've spent with that trailer and your motor home <laughs> and whoa, your whoa, truck whoa. We're to talking pull like your a- trailer and motor home <laughs> and every size <sighs> goblin ever? I'm working on that one. And Justin, do we need to count your house and your garage? I mean, yeah, dude, you just went like now. way over. I purchased that motorhome for family use. That's a family uh, motorhome. Yeah. yeah. This was a yeah. bonus. Okay, fine. Then, Dan, you've been incriminated. You bought the toy <laughs> hauler to haul toys, bitch. That's a family toy hauler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet it is. Him and Crooked had me rolled. <laughs> That's right. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. All right, Jesse, it's your turn. What did you do this last week? All right, well, the last couple of weeks. Um, You've been gone for two weeks off the show? No, missed one week, but it, it, that would be two oh, weeks right. of time, though. Yeah, since, you're right. It will be two weeks. So I did not make it out of the field last week, but... Two weeks ago, I did make it out both on Friday and Saturday. Um, so, no fly for the last week. A little bit of flying for the previous week. And if you remember back, that's, this was where I was on the, sh- on the uh, show on Thursday going, man, the weather's supposed to be awesome tomorrow. Tomorrow being Friday. It's going to be a great day at the field, blah, blah, blah. Well, I woke up Friday. It was, fr- it was uh, cold, windy, cloudy. So, nothing panned out there. I think... You know, five or six flights on Friday, five or six flights on Saturday. Saturday being, I believe I met up with Nick out at the field. And last week, you were talking yep. about nailing your funnels. Yep. And yeah, I did witness those. So that was that, you know, all the way back to that day. So Woo-hoo. yeah, a <laughs> couple, couple good days at the field. I got to say, though, man, there, Saturday just was that kind of, and I even mentioned this to Nick. I was like, man, it's just one of those days where nothing feels natural. Like it just feels like you're having to fight through every single maneuver that you do. Mm-hmm. Simple stuff, right? Circuits, um, flips, TikToks, pyro flips, nothing. It's just like you're just forcing yourself, struggling through all of them. So Friday was good. Saturday was okay. Um, but definitely looking forward to some good weather for this weekend to get back at it. So that kind of brings me to this previous week and hopefully so one thing that i've kind of been looking at is you know nick and i fly out in bellingham which for me that's about 
17 at 17 mile drive which takes you know 20 25 minutes to get out there so not horrible but it would be really really awesome to find something a little bit closer to home where i don't know maybe on the way home from work quick trip out on the weekends on a friday um maybe where it's you know i don't want to go spend an hour or 40 minutes in driving 45 minutes in driving to get to the field and back to do I don't know, maybe just bust out four flights real quick or something like that. So Mm -hmm. over the last month, Kayla's parents have sold their house and moved close by to where they used to live, but now they have three acres. And I've already been scheming with Troy, and I've already convinced him to mow a helipad and trim the grass down. (laughs) And the cool part is, is so so... Kind of where their house will sit. It, it, they basically bought some property with a shop on it right now. So they're living in the shop. Going to be building the house over the next year. But it kind of drops down this embankment about 15 feet. And then it's probably two and a half acres of flat flatland down there, which is just all field. But then the cool part is all around that is just organic crops and really low. You know, on one side, it's just all field, just grass. Um, and it's, it's not surrounded by any buildings or anything like that. So it's really open, even if you kind of fly out to the edges of that field. Um, and you have complete access right off the main road. And so I'm hoping, um, you know, maybe get out there this weekend and give it a shot, but I think it could turn into a really good opportunity for who knows, maybe a more of a permanent flying spot, but for sure, like the quick kind of drop in, it's definitely big enough to fly 700. It's and you know anything smaller than that is a given, but I just think, man, that is literally less than five minutes down the road from my house right now. So yeah, that's cool. Um, could be a game changer with you know getting home from work. I'm gonna throw a few packs on the charger. I can you know quickly throw my stuff in the truck and five minutes down the road and right there, full size field where you know no limitations. I'm not having to worry there. It's a couple neighbors close by, but nothing um, crazy close. So, yeah, just not you know not really having to worry about anything there, and just really having a little private field uh, kind of to myself. Because one thing that I don't know, we've been running into at Public Works, and it seems like it's getting worse and worse. Maybe it's just me, but has there been like a surge in people walking their dogs out there? Yeah, I think that's not only the springtime. Like, I I know I've actually been walking my dog more. So I know how yeah. that goes. Yeah, I think it's but, springtime and the people are ready to kick their animals out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> but then not only walking their dog, like complete idiots walking their dog. Like yes. one minute I'm standing there flying a heli. I walk back to the bench and I come back out carrying my heli. And they thought it was a great idea to stand exactly where I was standing flying. But now they're playing fetch with their dog. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, this is a probably 10 acre field <laughs> there's more places to go play fetch with your dog <laughs> yep so so anyways yeah so looking forward to that and then the other thing that's gonna have a I, i'm kind of sad about it is gonna have an impact on helis i feel is next week my work schedule changes so right now i'm on this awesome 410 work schedule so Pretty much, for the most part, give or take some, I get Fridays off. So Monday through Thursday, four 10-hour days. It's worked out awesome. It's helped me with fun flies. You know, 
I can easily take off Thursday after work, do the Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing, not use a day of vacation. So that is, it, it's been awesome. And getting out to the field on Fridays and stuff and getting, I don't know, just kind of having Fridays to myself. Um, but officially starting next week, I'm going to a typical 5-8 schedule. Oh, which I'm no. not too thrilled about. It's well, kind of one of those. Though, dude, it could it may not be bad if you can hold to 5/8 because that means you've got a couple of hours of daylight afterwards. Well, and that's the thing there was a there was a lot of discussion about okay, are they still going to let us start at the same time? Are we going to have to start later? Are we are we actually going to gain a few hours in the evening? How you know, how's it all going to pan out? So I do think except for, you know, as we ramp up for uh, turnarounds or special you know, occasions where the workload gets heavy or you know, lots of project deadlines that get uh, pushed together. I think for the most part, I'll be able to hold the 40 to 50 hour range. Um, and we are going to be able to start at the same time, which means that instead of getting home at five o'clock every day, I will now be home at three o'clock every day. There you go. Oh, dude, you know what? That's honestly even better. Because you, I, I guarantee you, you're going to get more flying in that way than you did with Fridays off. Hands you think down. so? Absolutely. I think there's more potential for more flying. Hell yeah. I think there's there's definitely more potential. The other thing I'm hoping is that right now it feels like, okay, so with working 10-hour days, 10 to, you know, sometimes turns into 11 to however long, it uh, you, at points it kind of feels like you just go to work, come home, you lose track of time for an hour or two, eat dinner go to bed really because I'm back up at you know quarter to five and so what I'm hoping is you know during the week hopefully get home at a decent time there'll be plenty of daylight left get some stuff knocked out around the house a couple days get some flying in a couple days then it it might make it so the weekend isn't just so crammed packed yeah because right now I don't get anything done really Monday to Thursday it's just like I literally work eat and sleep so you know maybe by spreading those hours out, uh, yeah, I'll I'll just have to see how it works. It'll definitely be a little bit of a change using a few more uh, vacation days. So luckily, I saved a bunch up last year. But does you know it's not going to impact any fun flies or any vacation plans like that. But um, yeah, it's just going to be be a change. So we will see how that goes. Um, I, as of right now, I'm not looking forward to it. So report back. <laughs> going to take a little time to get used to. So tweet. Mm. How about you, Other Nick? than that, yeah. Oh, 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 no, that's oh. it. Are you, Wrapped are you up. sure? Yeah, positive. Right. I, I sensed it. I sensed that you were done. That so was I just good. jumped in there with a, how about you, Nick? Man, you're so intuitive. But then you you proceeded to talk again, and you kind of made me feel like maybe <laughs> maybe you weren't done. So are you sure? Well, that I just wanted to kind of catch you off guard a little bit, because I didn't want you getting too comfortable. Like you could predict my every movement, but, you know. We can. Like, like you could just push them out of the way. Yeah, yeah. so. See what you but. Good Blade has personality, has soul, has attitude, has performance, and it's got character. When you finally find that blade, there's a connection. There's no better feeling than being able to get that blade and find sizes for all your helicopters. That's why switchblades just make sense. No shopping for one set of blades over here, then the other set of blades over there. One brand, one stop, all sizes. Make the switch. 
When you're ready to make the switch, go to www.bkdesignsllc.com to find sizes for all your helicopters. I flew. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been flying after work. I'm I'm digging this this light out thing now, man. I I have capitalized on it this week. I mentioned that um, in the last episode. I was fighting a tail issue. Well, happy to say that I have solved that tail issue. Apparently, when you put like I don't know, thousand or something like that flights on a helicopter and crash it a whole bunch of times, a whole bunch of times, <laughs> you can get some slop in the tail servo gear. What? Yeah, well, it actually kind of got to the point that it was my slop that was causing problems. Huh. Yeah, like, it was a lot of slop. It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> like, I actually kind of sat down and, and it was, you know, it wasn't that noticeable until you had the heli powered up. And that's why I think I missed it before. As I kind of went and powered the heli up and started rocking the tailblade, I'm like, whoo, where is all that coming from? And yeah, it was from all the abuse that poor Servo has seen. I mean, that's been a couple booms on that heli, <laughs> and it took a beating. So yeah, I had a spare one. I put in the new ah, the number escapes me, so my apologies. But the new coreless BK tail, full size tail Servo. Mm. I can't remember the number, but I had that one actually that came out of the DT. So I put that in there. Oh my goodness, just like brand new, loving it. Hmm. So yeah, that was awesome, awesome, awesome to get it fixed. And yeah, I I just was like so excited that it was kind of like almost National Bring Your 700 to Work Week. So (laughs) the last three days in a row, I have gotten two flights every day after work before I go home. And I can see this being a a new habit. Definitely a new habit. Because it's fun. I dig it. I, I'm flying out in front of the shop or kind of out back, I guess, a little bit. But it's nice. And, and once I get the battery, it's just really going to help, uh, especially when we get the battery review kicked off. Uh, to be able to go out there and, you know, if I've got four packs or five packs, the goal is going to be to try and do all of those at least two to three times a week. So you're just, after work, you're just flying at work or you're heading out to the field? No, right at work. Okay. Yeah. today The last couple of days, um, I've gotten out just a little bit late and everyone else is kind of pretty much gone. So I'm just going literally right across the street from work, out front. <laughs> Uh, it's a west or a eastern facing field, mm-hmm. so no sun. The one I fly at, like if I'm gonna go fly at lunch, a little more secluded, is kind of off in the other direction, and you run into sun. So yeah, let's see. I think that's about. I'm just trying to be patient, waiting for the nitro. Running dun, dun, dun. I'm running out of patience. Yeah, that and the soon. Black Thunder. But soon. Soon, I soon, know. soon. 
We want ours, huh, Dan? <sighs> oh, Dan. I don't know what's happening to me, guys. I'm getting. I know what's happening. Yeah. What's happening? You're turning into a goblin fanboy <laughs> with an eye. <laughs> Sorry, I'm losing my voice because I'm sick with a freaking cold. Again. I am not. Yeah, it's okay, Dan. I yeah, did dude, convince you. You know him what? To... You need you need to have a uh, a tattoo. You need to have a goblin tattoo. Can I use it? Can I cover up the align tattoo with it? Sure. Yeah, uh, I would do like a little goblin tattoo and then like have it whizzing on the line tattoo. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Nick. That's your Nick. so it's your heritage. You can't. You have to. You know. I you know I, I dig the line helicopters. Yeah. With all the different retailers out there, it can be hard to decide where you want to spend your heli money. Ken over at Lower Heli helps make that decision a little easier for you, though. With amazing prices every day, great customer service, and fast shipping, you don't have to worry about bouncing around anymore. Go visit Ken at www.lowerheli.com and fill that shopping cart with the confidence that you're getting the best prices backed by amazing support. Head on over to www.lowerheli.com and fly lower. So I got some flying in. Good. Yeah. Are you done? Yeah, because I was going to say, good, go, Dan, because I think I'm done. I got nothing. I got nothing else. Oh, I take that back. Sorry. I am going to do. <laughs> oh, man. I think I just got deuced, Justin. You just you know got deuced. Yeah. Man. Go, Nick. Okay, so what I am going to do, there have been some people. I made a mistake in the first bump controller video that I did um, on the, the, because it was like a day after I got it, and I was just like, oh, this is so awesome. I want to show people, and I did not get the programming. Uh, I did not put the discharge number in correctly, so I'm going to be doing an update video. But I'm waiting, since it's a portion of the sticker that you can't go back and redo. Um, which, by the way, if you did it wrong, all that it it just it throws off the discharge capabilities. But it's not a big deal like on a 5,000 packs because you can't discharge that much anyway. So, I don't know. You, you'll see what I'm saying. But I'm going to do an update to that video as soon as the as soon as the rest of the batteries show up for the re- review, which should be any day now. So be looking for that. If you did bump your sticker and put in what I said on there, I apologize. Again, it's not that big of a deal, but I just did just want to let people know that. So I'm going to uh, do a video that goes over some of the manual charge functions of it, and then um, you know do a little updated thing on now what I'm putting in there. That's all. That's good timing because I haven't done any of my bumps yet. Well, good. Yeah. So, yay. That means I didn't destroy anything, thanks to Nick. It's not destroy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, anyway, yeah, I got some flying in last weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. Good for you. uh, I'm into the gassers about three and a half gallons now. That's a lot. Well, between nice. two between two machines. 
me tell you what I've done though. I mistake. Well, I mentioned that I was considering maybe getting rid of a gasser. Right? Nick kind of got all like, what on me, you know? Yep. So what I did, I, I don't think that's going to happen. What I did do though, is I put the 300 on the wall and I left it there. It's broken. There you it's go. It's ready. Yeah. Um, but I'm focusing oh, on sorry. the 270. What? What? Nothing. Keep going. Nothing. I'm, I'm putting <laughs> so, subliminal messages in the back of your head. So anyway, I got that bad boy going and I've been... Phew, I thought I was... Uh, I, I still think that it's... There's some tuning issues and I think it's me being afraid to lean that bad boy out because I'm getting some pretty bad tail issue. Well, bad is really not the right word. Some annoying tail issues. And I tried for the first half of the morning, trying different settings on the tail, trying to get that thing to smooth out. And I, I think that's better. You know, when those, those, it's one of those situations where you're convincing yourself that it's better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just never really seemed to go away. So I started the process of, instead of leaning, I I wanted to richen it to see if I could make the problem worse. Just because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting too lean. Yeah, yeah. Right? So sure enough, that was that was happening. And so I started the lean, leaning, the, leaning the needles. And I got to tell you, on a gasser, Justin, you know, I mean, one, I mean, one teeny little half of a, you know, screwdriver blade width is oh, dude, is the yeah. line of no return sometimes. It takes about right? an ass hair of movement. Yeah, so <laughs> got that. Um, you know it's it's definitely about, better. Nick. Nick, Nick, you know what he's talking about with ass hair? Yeah. <laughs> Very familiar, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> check. Yeah, check. Uh. <laughs> You're right, though, dude. It's ultra sensitive. It is. It really is. And so... You know, I got the Amsoil uh, Saber shit all figured out. Found a place here locally that got that's got it. I got the uh, the uh, mix ride or whatever the hell it's called, the little graduated uh, oil ratio cup, I guess uh, that David McDonald sent me. And um, mixing some fuel and getting some flying in. And and you know, last week I left off with that whole mental, well, continuing my mental struggle. Like mm-hmm. I've been simming like crazy. Like this week, I mean, I mentioned last week I got like five hours and I bet you I about got that this week as well. Nice. And it, on the sim, it just feels so second nature. I could almost close my eyes and just do all that shit that I used to do. But I'm still struggling with letting it happen in real life. And um, it's getting better. I mean- uh, who was flying with me? Well, Fred was flying me with me this weekend and he was standing next to me and I was like yelling at myself, like, just, you know, let it go. And, uh, finally I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not in a race. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. So I did get my, I did get access to a planker, right? Cause that's what I was thinking I was going to do. Uh, to a, not a person, but an actual plank, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, hmm, I was going to go out and beat on a planker. I knew that would make me feel better. <laughs> that would make me feel better. I, I haven't tried it yet, but way back when I was starting it, that was the, you know, I, I got that plane and it just really helped with that, with that issue. 
I don't think I, I, I'm telling myself I need to do that, but I really just, I really just, I, I don't, I can't explain it guys. I really don't know why my mind is just so adamant about stopping my hands. I really, I just don't get it. So I'm just going to continue to fight through that. I got mm, on Saturday about five flights on the oxy. Oh, because I didn't want people to say, you're not even giving it a chance. Come on, yeah, man. That's fair. That's fair. Um, one thing I've come to realize is I need to change the pinion because I need more head speed. I just can't get the tail to, I mean. What head speed are you running at, dude? Uh, I want to say it's at 24, 25. That does seem low. Yeah, that's low. That sounds Seems really low. low, yeah. I've got the pinions. I ordered a whole pinion set for it, four, three or four different pinions, so. Uh, the, the the tooth count escapes me at the moment. I want to say there's an 11 in there now, uh, but I've got a 12 and a 13 and a 14. And um, we're going to see. I want to play. I got to get it switched out. Um, give it a fair shot. I still don't really care for it. I'm going to, I mean, it's just small. You know, it's like, it just reminds me of flying a little, well, teeny, Fucking helicopter, you know? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, it did have an accident though. It fell off the fell off the uh in on the way to the field. It fell off the uh, rack that I had it on and it broke the damn canopy already. Uh-oh. Yeah, nothing a little scotch tape couldn't fix. <laughs> scotch, <laughs> scotch tape. So um the weather was phenomenal. Sunny, 67 degrees or 65 degrees and no wind. I mean, all day long. Nobody shows up. Me and Fred are the only ones there. It's just hard to believe. But um, so we got, I want to say, I got five on the Oxy and I'd ha- I don't have my uh, log here with me, but I'm thinking I got somewhere around 10 on the 270. And uh, I'm loving it. I mean, the heli heli is awesome. Yeah. You know, I love, I just, the, the whole (laughs) fuel heli, uh, you know, nitro gas, whatever. It's just, it, it appeals to me so much more than an electric does. Now, how how are you feeling about the, because right, the, the gasser doesn't have all that much, if any visible smoke. No, that's all right. And that, that's not bothering you. I mean, in terms no, be- of, uh, you know, visualizing or orientation or anything like that, because that can be a big thing for nitros. Yes, it can. And and that's that's part of the allure of nitro for me anyway. It it just looks like a living, breathing machine, you know? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I hear bellowing you. smoke. But, you know, the, the, the gasser gives you that same kind of feedback as well. You know, you just, I don't know, I feel like you get much more feedback from a fuel engine. You know what I mean? When you when you're getting into it too deep, um, with your collective or whatever, it just you you can hear it. You know what I mean? It just gives you more feedback, and uh, I just love it. Love everything about it. So moving forward into the week, um, Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, I, I my alarm goes off at uh, five o'clock, and I pick pick up my phone and I look at the weather. And it says it's supposed to be, you know, three mile an hour wind and 
you know, 65 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Couldn't do it. I, uh, I didn't even call in sick. I just called and said, uh, I'm not coming to work today. <laughs> nice. Sweet. So I called a couple of my buddies, uh, some of the older guys that fly planes. and Ed came out. You guys remember Ed? What? Oh, he came out to visit. Oh, yeah. He, the whole time he kept trying to talk me into buying his compass. <laughs> He's selling everything. Ed, Ed, Ed. He um, actually... He was like, I can't believe, I just, I thought for sure Jesse would buy that compass. <laughs> I don't know. He, he said something about he offered it to you a while back. I don't know if he did or not, but. Yeah, really a long while back. Yeah, years ago, Ed. Um, so if anyone's looking for a 600 EFL for an amazingly low price with like five batteries for I think 450 or $500. Oh. Yeah. I mean, if I were in the market for a 600 EFL. That has hardly any flights on it. That's got an icon on it. Dan, does that one have a crash on it? (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't remember. I used to like you, Jesse. That was totally messed up. In fact, it does have a crash on it. Just escapes me. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I think if you really, really wanted to see that crash, it's right on our Facebook. Oh, perfect. Yeah. One crash. At least you know the history of it. Yeah. But I, it's so vivid in my mind. <laughs> I can, I can't believe how cheap he's selling it. He just wants to get rid of it. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I called in and I, I just was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm just. Uh, I'm taking a personal day. I'm not sick. I'm just not coming to work. <laughs> so God, that's a liberating feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and I hung out at the field, and it was. Uh, I didn't get as much flying in as I was hoping to because it kind of turned into a social gathering where, you know, everyone was sitting around bullshitting as plankers do uh, for the most part. Weather was perfect, though. I got seven flights in on the uh, on the 270. And um, I, I'm the number of flights that I'm getting are not reflecting the progression that I feel I should be making. And I just, I really don't know how to, how to break, break through that. But like I told, like I told myself on the weekend, I'm going to stop agonizing over that because if I, if I keep going and I keep telling myself when I go home, like, well, that sucked. (laughs) You know what I mean? You, yeah, you put the heli in the air, whatever, seven times, but you didn't really fly. I have a feeling that's going to, that's going to take its toll mentally. You know what I mean? Yep. Eventually. Do you feel like the oxy's big enough? No, it's not. To get you... (laughs) No, because I I tell you... (laughs) I don't. And the reason why is because when you're struggling with a mental... And and here's the, here's the, the big difference is it's not like I'm a new flyer. It's not like I'm attempting stuff that I know that I can't do because I've never done it before, right? I know I can do this stuff. You just got to nut up. So, yeah. So, the oxy, it's like when, when you know, it moves so quickly that when I go to attempt, it just feels like it's just getting away from me too fast. You know, it's like, wow, that thing's really cooking. It's hauling ass. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not a bad Ellie, I guess. I just don't care. I mean, I'm going to, maybe I'll feel differently about it after I get the new pinion and it feels like it's flying a little bit smoother. Yeah. That does. Cause right now when I, when I'm, yeah. when I'm doing flips with it and stuff, it, um, the tail really goes crazy. Yeah. No, uh, see, that's not, there's nothing worse. Like I could fly anything, any brand, any motor, any, anything, but if the tail doesn't stay where it should, it's it's horrible. I don't care if freaking yep. Hensel it made it themselves. If the tail doesn't hold, uh-uh, don't want to fly. Tail but, is the first thing that will destroy your confidence on any model. Yep. I, and I'm kind of wondering if that's what's happening with the gasser, too, because I was thinking that very thing, because it's like, you know, I'm I'm flying it, but I, you know, you, you have to build a relationship with a helicopter, right? You have to you have to trust it, and when the tail is acting up, yeah, it but just I leaves have this you with weird that. feeling. I mean, I, I've I've flown Carl's and I watched the V bar tail is the stock settings, you know, with the V control and picking the size and all that kind of thing. I can take my seven hundred electric and just. I mean, bone stock right out of the box and just hank on it. I mean, just rip it with no problems. Now, I'm not saying that it's tuned, but it's definitely not going to blow out. If anything, mine will wag a little bit. But I kind of almost think I've seen that bad tune gasser thing, and it's just this little three-inch wander back and forth. Exactly. Right? But, and, and I'm not saying that that wouldn't concern me a little bit what I got it, you know, like when I got it up in the air, but, you know, if I'm not sure, I know this is horrible, I take that thing up, I put a little bit of height on it, and I stand it straight up and do a big old huge tail stand. I mean, just like a, a uh, uh, really high edger. Yeah. And if it holds mm-hmm. during that, it, it's going to hold. I mean, you'll be all right. You know what I mean? You know, and I and I honestly, look, I don't think the tail's going to blow out on. I mean, I, I watch it. I mean, if I were observing that flight instead of behind the sticks on that flight, I would be like, dude, what's your issue here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, it's. It's not like rock solid, steady. But my God, dude, it's. It's you know, you're maybe two degrees each way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's nothing big. I think it's just something I got to get over. And I think the tune, getting the tune in, and and I was talking with Kerry Shirley, and he's like, he was like, yeah, they're about three gallons through the machine, which I believe I'm. Just about, well, maybe another gallon, and I'll have three gallons through that 270. Maybe, maybe, yes, just about a gallon. So we'll see. And I just, and then I, you know, it's like relearning to tune again with the gasser. I, I know that I'm, I'm not burning it up, but, uh, I'm just a little anxious about crossing that very thin line. (laughs) But I I believe that's okay. I mean, I believe I'm a long ways away from it, though. I believe it's running very rich. Just based on evidence, when you bring it in, you know, you can tell if you're running rich or if you got too much oil in there because you got a lot of residue. You know, typically you're not supposed to have a lot of residue on a gasser. 
You know, it's just those little things. So we'll get it. We'll get it sorted. I mean, I'm not going nice. to give up on it. I'm digging it. So nice. yeah. And it's as I mentioned hear, last man. week, still yeah. digging the, the V bar. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're uh, liking uh-huh. it more and more, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's I, I dig it. Yeah. I, I'm still I still find myself not super comfortable with my hands in the relative position on the, on the controller. I put them, I, I noticed this last on Wednesday, especially I noticed it and I don't know why it was like, I couldn't quite decide like this doesn't, it's not feeling right. It's like all of a sudden I was repositioning or putting my hands in different positions on the, on the, on the radio. And I don't know. See, uh, I don't think that has anything to do with the radio. I think that's just, you took so long off. You know, and then you changed everything all at once. Yeah, but my hands were on a Futaba daily, though. Yeah, okay, that's fair. No, that's very fair. But it doesn't fit. See, that's the weird part for me. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that I fly. Mine, I hold a Futaba. I I hold them all exactly the same. Yeah, but there's just something about the ergonomics of the 14 that just feel better to me. You know, uh, and and like I said, I don't think that's anything that I won't get used to. Or is it a deal breaker? No, it's not a deal breaker. But um, I just, you know, come on, I got to give it some time. Yeah. I'll get used to it. That's fair. And then, uh, you know, some uh, soon to be had helicopters are coming down the pike. Yeah, oh, buddy. Yeah. Nitro of some brand. Gabbling. <laughs> and Nick uh Nick's got me convinced that I don't want a three eighty. So we're gonna wait till Othello. I'm gonna fly his three eighty and his five seventy and make a decision then. Yep. So we'll go we'll go with what feels best then. My goal for- I think that's the right mm-hmm. approach, man. You so gotta Dan, get your hands on all of them. Here's the plan, okay? Because we're mm-hmm. gonna both do this like major flying stick time thing in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My goal and this is a personal goal, is to have in my hand a transmitter for 30 flights at Othello. So what that's okay. going to mean is that 15 of them are going to be my flights on my heli and the other 15 are going to be on the buddy box. Okay. And then you can alternate. So you'll do one gasser flight, Look, I'm telling him how he's going to fly. <laughs> this is how Othello is going to go like, for you. Wow, you're really douchey here. Um, you'll like one gasser flight, and then the next flight will be one of mine. And you'll, whichever size, you try. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then you can find my gasser. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get that thing tuned. And same thing with the Oxy, too. I mean, bring all. I mean, if get I your still opinions own on it there. by then, you'll still own it by then. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got a lot I'll of people just, offering it, offering cash for it. Well, okay, I'm not going to be like Dan. I really think that you should keep. I'm. <laughs> you're not going to catch me say that. But I will definitely any, fly it and tune it for you, which might help too. I haven't had anybody offer me any cash for the Forza yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, six dollar. <laughs> Uh, we'll see, Jesse. That's the highest bid. Yes. 
<laughs> hey, those things. Write, write it down, Dan. Those things are frick. Justin can attest to this. That is a great what class? Stock class or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great stock. Well, it doesn't make a difference whether it's stock or modified. It's it's a good speed heli. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's just as competitive as the Goblin Speed or the X7 Formula, any of those. Yeah, I do yeah. have a listener that's been emailing me, and I just feel like an ass because he's been asking me about... Um, He's interested in the red, the original canopy and boom cover. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'll get some pictures for you this weekend. I think that's been three weeks in a row now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know I'm, what the holdup there is with that. Hey, I just, you know what? I'm way behind again. I got all caught back up when I went down to mm-hmm. California for my brother's wedding. And now I'm just way back behind. So I'm almost going to kind of put out a warning and just be like, hey, here's the deal. It's springtime. It's flying season now. I'll get there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I'll get there. So how many days till Othello, Justin? You uh, you got that uh figured out yet? Uh no, I lost track actually, but where are we at? This what is, is the uh, date? Tomorrow's first the first of April. First tomorrow is April first. Forty yeah, days, right. huh? So yeah, yeah 40, not, not very long, dude. Oh, that makes me nervous. I'm going to be ready. I can't wait. It's going to be an awesome fun. This season is going to kick ass. Oh, I am psyched. I will be ready with something. Maybe not with everything, but I'll be there. You'll be ready with one thing. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I think I'm even going to go to Snohomish this year, I think. Yeah? Yeah, You know, Snohomish is on the opposite side of Urcha this year. in july it's the end of july yeah 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 Yeah, 21st through the 24th i believe i will be there Mm -hmm. you should be there Jeez, it's only a couple hours from your place isn't it an hour not even a couple (laughs) yeah an hour my wife we looked at the dates i was like hey i got the date for snohomish and and um so I told her, and she's looking on the counter. She goes, oh, awesome. That's my long weekend for work. And she kind of stops, and she's like, not exactly what I was hoping to spend my long weekend doing, but we will have fun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're such a sport, dear. <laughs> no, it's going to be with the with the new trailer, man. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a yeah, good year. You're going to be rolling in style this yeah, year. Yeah, finally. Jeez. Gonna be nice Truck, to be able to take a shower at a fun fly. Could you imagine? Can you imagine that? Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine it. Like <laughs> yeah, it whatever. Was last two weeks. <laughs> so that wraps my week up, guys. A lot of flying in, and uh, oh, one thing I won't be getting any flying in this weekend. Well, maybe if it's nice on Saturday or Sunday. It doesn't look like it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But Saturday is supposed to be almost seventy degrees and sunny, and my ass will be at the mall. In Missoula with the Missoula, because I joined the Missoula Flying Club because they're doing a static display and they needed they needed volunteers to bring in machines to display at the mall. Oh, mall helicopter. So, there you go. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be bringing the sim and I'll be bringing a couple goblin gassers and uh, sitting around and hopefully seeing if we can't get some people flying some helis in the valley. 
talk about them fandangled whirly birds. Yes. Whirly so, birds? Whirly birds. But I might be able to go fly in the afternoon at the new club. I joined that club, and I haven't flown out there yet. Well, I flew out there last year, but I wasn't a member. I went out to a fun fly there. But uh, I heard tell they don't look too kindly at them helicopters, them old Whatever. plankers out there. That's what I heard. Suck it, planker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> that one slipped out. <laughs> Oops. So that's my week. Maybe we should. Uh, Wait a minute, Dan. A- Dan. You know who is going to get flying in this weekend? Not you. This guy this oh, yeah. is coming to Snohomish. Oh, oh. Road trip. Oh, you're going down? Oh, I yeah. Oh. It's confirmed Sunday. Sunday. You coming, Jesse? I am 99% sure I will be there. Road trip. Oh, yeah. Throw the helis in. Awesome. Good day. The weather's looking great. Oh, hell yeah, it is, dude. So let me ask you this. I know, Justin, you have, and I'm thinking Nick has registered. I have you, not. Oh, you haven't? Nope. Um, are you going to? I will have to eventually. Huh. I made a profile. <laughs> so did I, and but then I not got the on email. that website. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then I got the email. I was like, ooh. Yeah, not ready yet. <laughs> I have not. I will. I think I will have I will. to because, um, Justin, am I correct in saying I'm going to have to as a contest director? Well, you certainly need to be uh, an active member of the AMA. Yeah, obviously. Because you are as backup as a contest director for the Funfly. But, you know, it's it's interesting. We had that discussion a couple of episodes ago, and I think there's a slightly still active semi-active thread going on on that episode number i think what was it 226 or 225 Uh, and a couple of people are saying no 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 it has nothing to do with that the ama can't do anything to you if you're not registered the government can so i mean Hmm. maybe you don't i don't know i i don't know i didn't feel like I had an option, so I did it. Well, you did it for work reasons, not necessarily yeah, for contest director reasons. Well, I, I didn't do it because I necessarily thought that AMA would say, oh, well, you're a CD, and if you're not registered, then we're revoking that privilege. I did do it because while I couldn't come up with a rational reason why it would impact things, I did not want to screw up RCHN Funfly. So that is why I did it. <laughs> and I printed out tags. They're in secret code. I'm going to put mine in QR. Yeah, mine's just going to be a code. There you go. A QR would be awesome, dude. Hit button for audio message. <laughs> <laughs> this helicopter will self destruct in five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> that would be funny <laughs> to say, have it start doing that. Beep, beep. <laughs> you see some guy drop your helicopter, <laughs> run like hell across the field. <laughs> oh. oh, let's move this dog and pony show around, uh, along here. What? Uh, 
I, I, I hear tell you have new one news. Uh, two, two new, two, two new. Two new. All right. Two new. Well, let's hear them. What do you got for news this week? This week's news is brought to you by superiority.com. Okay, so Align is leading the pack once again with... No, I'm kidding. Sorry. I had to. It looks like I saw on uh, Jamie's Facebook page and someone put it in our news thread. There are some renderings of a three-bladed head and tail. Interesting. I'm very surprised. I mean, because haven't we been? I mean, I don't know how much validity there is to it, but I mean, I've been seeing posts talking about a line giving up the ghost. Yeah, I actually oh, saw yeah, that. They're just I've jumping on the bandwagon. Well. Yeah, I I wonder. I mean, I don't. I really don't. I think it's cool. I'm just surprised. It seems almost like you know, at a certain point, you're going to be late to a party. You just don't go. But, not a line, not a line, dude. Not, not a line. <laughs> no, don't um, join the party. They just awkwardly the sneak in the back. Yeah, <laughs> dude, been here for like an hour, bro. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, but you know, it it looks cool. I mean, I have very little doubt that they won't do it. You know, right? I guess would be the term. They they've been producing. Uh, what I believe are some really consistent helicopters over the last couple of years. I think they probably get a lot worse of a rap than they actually deserve when it comes to fit and finish and quality and that sort of a thing. I mean, I still wouldn't put one of their electronics in a <laughs> anything, but um, as far as mechanics go, yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be pretty good. So I'm. I'll be curious to see a if when it actually hits the market and B, you know what I'm most curious about? I'm most curious if Jamie will compete with it. Ooh, that's, that's a really yeah, good point. Good I did not think question. of that, Nick. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of was like, Hmm. Cause you know, I've, I've got a fair amount of flights on, on a three blade setup and have, you know, can, I feel like I can confidently say what the differences are, the pros and the cons. There are both. Um, and it, it's, you know, I'll just be curious if he will actually compete with it. Um, but, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. Hmm. Uh, also in the news, we've got there are some videos popping up of the new Logo 700. Um, some flights by Mirko Sisena. That kid can fly, by the way. Indeed. Yes. That's what, that's what I heard. And he put one up at like 2,200 RPM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo! It was cooking. But yeah, you can hop over to Mikado USA's Facebook page to uh, to check out some of those. I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be... Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see one in person. I just want to see kind of their vision and how they've done it. And, you know, they haven't really had any quality problems 
or uh, consistency or anything like that uh, with the other models. So I think that there's a lot of potential. But that's all I have for news. It's a short week. Oh, no, I take that back. I take that back. Oh, and there's more. Well, one of our one of our listeners was like, hey, I was actually giving him a really hard time. He goes, hey, you didn't say that um, CD is the kid's name. That's what everyone knows him by. I don't even know if I dare say his real name. Uh, let's do it because that's what we do. Saccharin Kongthan is his real name. Uh, he flew for Gowie for many years. A uh, young kid started flying um, super young. I want to say like four or six or something like that. And he's 13 now. Um, you know, poor kid had a pretty bad run at 3D Cup. You know, rumors saying like, ah, he would have ended up somewhere around third or something like that. But he was having some mechanical issues. Um, But yeah, so now... He has left Gowie and has gone to Mikado, which um, I think is a pretty good move on Mikado's part. I My guess, you know, my guess saying with with how the whole Neo and the V-Control thing's going and then with the hype behind the Logo 700, I feel like, I feel like Mikado as a whole is going to regain some ground this year, which is good. Yeah. Helps if the mic isn't muted. <laughs> <laughs> so how many words did you say, Dan? I said like a whole paragraph almost, but uh, <laughs> starting with Jesse, what's your news? Oh, I, nothing, Dan. Ugh. Zero. Justin? Uh, no, I don't think I have any news, dude. I got news, bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not good news. Well, it is. It, it, I it's guess not, it depends on how you look at it. Wow. Well, there, there's there's a way to bring news the news down. Way to bring it. Well, so, let me tell you this. It, it's it it's got a good it's got a good ending, but the story itself is not good. And all joking aside, uh, you guys are familiar with Superstition Hobby. Oh down in Arizona. yes. Yep. Allen. Allen down there. So I got an email from, uh, um, I'll butcher the name. Let's just say I got an email (laughs) from somebody that uh, is, I think, a patron of of Alan's establishment down there. And uh, I get this letter. And apparently they've been robbed four times in the last four years. And like bad. Yeah. Yeah. Not just robbed. It's not like someone comes and picks the lock to the door. They drive through the walls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's dude, not funny. Seriously but bullshit. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. Yep. So, um, this listener call or writes this note saying that down there, they've started a GoFundMe because apparently these four robberies have hit that business very hard to the point where they're wondering if they can even continue. Right, because that's a huge. Not only did they lose all that inventory, but now they've got to repair the damage and all that crap by extra security, whatever it needs to do. Well, the insurance, and that's the other big thing. You know, the uh, high deductible, and then do you just eat it versus do you claim it 
and then you claim it, and then you lose your insurance. So they're they're struggling with that whole game. Yeah. So they started a GoFundMe uh, to help these guys out. Um, we're going to put a link to that up on our show notes, uh, but it's www.gofundme.com forward slash JZWH7RSG. I actually went uh, to donate a little bit. One thing I don't like about GoFundMe, and I don't know if they can do anything about this, but uh, it doesn't allow you to use PayPal on GoFundMe. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Oh, I did not know that. Which makes it pretty inconvenient for those of us in the hobby who pretty much are most of our hobby funds are in a PayPal account for the most part, right? Um, either way, I'm going to get it figured out. I just, uh, my card was out in my truck and I'll go handle that tomorrow. But so, you know, if you can see to it, I think the minimum donation is $5. Um, I think, you know, they haven't even scratched the surface of what, the their projected uh, uh, in, income on this GoFundMe is, but I think they're at like six hundred bucks uh, of two of twenty thousand. I don't know where that number came from, but you know, good folks in the hobby, bad things happen. We as a community sometimes we can come together and help those guys out. So if you if you have it in, if you got a few extra bucks and you want to do that, I they would be greatly appreciative of that. So. Uh, again, thanks to it's it's either Callan or Kayleen. I don't I don't know. <laughs> so uh, thanks thanks for letting me know, and uh, we hope things go good for you guys down there, and and uh, we get this get this all sorted out. Apparently, they're pretty involved with Southwest Heli Rodeo as well. So they're, yeah, man. Oh, they're, I, mean, like, I think they're involved oh, with pretty yeah. much everything that happens in Arizona in the yeah. Arizona hobby area. So they give to the hobby. Maybe it's time for the hobby to kind of help those guys out. Absolutely. So, anyway, we're sorry to hear that kind of shit happening. Actually, I was reading, uh, I don't know if it was a Facebook post or something, but apparently a lot of hobbies in that area, a lot of hobby shops in that area are getting hit. Uh, I just can't. I mean, it's just nuts. They just don't get broken into. I mean- Long gone are the days of standing out front throwing a rock mm. in. Yeah. They just back their entire vehicle that through the front crazy. wall. Yeah. That's crazy. And then apparently I saw Brett Bowen. Uh yeah. someone broke into his heli workshop and or his RC shop and stole a bunch of shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know what they well. got, but I do know he had some pretty high dollar uh, 3D airplanes. Airplanes, yeah, competition-level yeah, airplanes. Like, like carbon fiber frame. I or, think uh, they got helis. Did they? Yeah, which uh, I haven't read through it. I haven't had the time, but it almost made it seem like it was a very specific, went in, grabbed exactly what they wanted, left a bunch of other valuable stuff, and then yeah. left. So hopefully, uh, with the community being small yeah, like it is. We'll keep yeah. an eye out. Keep an eye out. I mean, if you start seeing stuff on Craigslist or whatever, because I don't know what you guys, but I'll search Craigslist every so often for RC stuff, just just for shits and giggles. Mainly, it's mainly it's to laugh at the nine hundred dollar blade helicopters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 
Yeah. The pro, pro quality T-Rex helicopter. 600 Nitro. Yeah, pro level. I love it. Pro level Raptor 30. <laughs> <laughs> or Kyosho. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Man, that makes me... I'm going to put... I think I'm going to put an alarm system on the trailer. You know, I... I think I am. Like a full-on alarm alarm. With like... Uh... Gatlin guns pointed at the door. Yep. I've been playing Fallout 4. I could probably rig up some mean stuff. Jeez. <laughs> oh, some fragment mines yeah. and shit. Open it up, peek Y'all in. Y'all don't want to mess with me. I, I've been playing Fallout 4 too, dude, and I can pick myself a mean-ass lock. Yeah, but you'll be, yeah. you'll be faced <laughs> not with my minigun the... when you open the door to try and grab my gablin. <laughs> you know, it's funny. All these years I've been in the hobby, and... And when I had that trailer that you have, Nick, now, and now I've got this other one, I have never locked that any of that stuff up. Maybe I maybe it's time to start. I don't know because uh, God, I how could you can you imagine? No, oh, just walking in there and, and opening the door, taking a step inside, and going, "Wait a minute, something doesn't look right," and then all of a sudden you're like, "Holy shit!" My helis are gone. I'd go to jail. Oh, I would be so angry. Yeah, that's why I'd go to jail. So we're just going to prevent it from happening. <laughs> go to- I don't do well with that kind of stuff. No. I'll find it before they do. Ay. Well, anyway, we're sorry to hear about this stuff, guys. And uh, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're hearing about it, but it seems like it's happening more and more. We should start. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm assuming Brett. Brett. I, uh, from what I read, it wasn't like his shit wasn't unlocked. And of course, Alan's stuff was locked, but, uh, you know, but nonetheless, it still happened. So, but anyway, maybe we should move on. I think that does it for the news. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. All right, we're at it again. And actually, these are kind of fun. Listener questions. Guys have been sending questions to Nick and uh, Justin, and and I'm assuming, are some of these questions coming to questions at rcalienation.com or are they coming directly to you guys? They are. Some of them are. Excellent. What we need, though, we need some recordings. Yeah. Yeah, we need some, some audio. Those. Yeah. So, Nick, why don't you kick this off? I think you got a couple questions. Why don't you uh, fill us in? Yeah, all right. So, Garvey Jean Lewis sent us um, sent us a message. He's got a couple, a couple questions in here. Um, he, he said, Hey, going back to that whole, you know, we had the tail blowout question with the speed up gear, the longer tail blades or whatever. He said, is it possible to use a blade with a wider cord to help not changing the length? Um, my answer, yes, absolutely. Uh, the problem is, is that that can kind of be hard to find the, the while tail blades do come in various shapes 
I personally haven't put a set on where it was like, wow, look at the difference. So I don't know. Justin, what do you think? No, I, I agree. I mean, fundamentally, it's perfectly fine. Uh, with a wider co- cord, you are going to get a little bit higher losses. So you're going to take a little bit more power away from the main uh, main head. But for 3D, no one really cares about that. And I doubt that it's a significant amu- enough amount to make it matter for speed either. Yeah. I think it just comes down to availability i mean let's face it the blade manufacturers that are out there i'm not saying that every single blade is manufactured in the exact same location but 99.9 percent of them are and the molds just don't differ all that much and i don't think people have spent a lot of effort fine-tuning tails so you kind of just get what you get yeah yeah. yeah so along, go ahead. Uh, along, along those lines, Justin, what uh, if the if the design and the uh, the forms are pretty much the same? What separates them? Nothing. The materials they're made out of. No, I I think they're all made out of very similar materials. The design. I mean, I don't I don't want to make it sound like they're all exactly the same, Dan, because they're not. And and if you fly enough tail blades and you have the the skill set capable of pushing them to the limits, you'll be able to tell the difference, right? For example, uh, some of the, I'll call them newer uh, plan forms, like the rails, the DHs, they have a swept tip, right? So as you get further out on the span-wise along the length of the blade, the uh, cord shrinks, and that that is an efficiency thing, uh, just like it is for main blades. Okay, so that that blade overall is probably a more efficient design. And can you see the difference in your flights? Most people probably can't. Those people that are pushing the limits may see a couple of points difference in gain or uh, stopping, that sort of a thing. Uh, the other thing that... I think plays a role is the weight. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen uh, a lot of 700 size blades that have a fairly wide variation in weights. Now, when I say fairly wide, Mm -hmm. it's a relative term because each 700 blade is what a handful of grams. But when we're talking about a typical blade coming in at six or seven grams, and then you buy a set and you got a, uh, you've got blades that are at 8 or 9 that can be 10 20 30% increase in weight and that makes a difference when they're spinning at 9 or 10,000 rpm yeah and there's small things that really make a big difference you know Justin mentioned the swept tip which is hands down my personal favorite design uh for the tail i feel that they in my experience, they tune the best. They're the most forgiving as far as like vibrations. And they seem to be, and this might just be me, they seem, they're more durable for me. Um, we've had like Jesse, you remember the, the Compass 115s? Yeah. Like those were great. I mean, we flew the snot out of those. Still do. Yeah, still do. <laughs> but they're a, they're a, a thicker blade. Yep. And I would call them a softer blade. 
It, yeah, they're super light. I would say they're on the lighter end of the spectrum. Yep, but with a wider, kind of a wider cord and a much yep. fatter profile to them. So yep. because of that, down at the end, they were much more at like a smaller nick would make them split. And they were just a lot more yeah. f- fragile because of that yeah. if you're going to be smacking the tail on the ground. Whereas like the rails, because it's a, you know, it's a narrower profile down at the end, it's shorter. It just seemed like there was a lot more carbon fiber in that area and they uh, were just a lot more robust. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, more on the physical side of it. I'll take a swept tip tail blade over a, you know, like a squared tip any day, personally. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's see. Moving on to the next one. Um, he asks, what capacity 2S LiPo should be used on a 600 Nitro and a 700? And how many flights should you expect? Ah, Ooh. Welcome to one. the world of no given right answer. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, exactly. I want to do this one. Um, so if uh, my personal experience is I'm usually sitting now, I mean, obviously servos, uh, how long your flights are, how hard you're flying, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing play a pretty big role. I usually got in the... I mean, man, it's been so long. See, that's the thing. I'm flying all different servos than I was back in like the hardcore nitro days. But back, you know, back in the day with the Align 610s and kind of that older era of non-high voltage servos, it wasn't uncommon to get four, between 350 to 450 milliamps per flight mm-hmm. out. But then, I mean, because you are running an additional servo. But then, um, so as far as how to size it, I usually do not run under a 2100 milliamp on a nitro. That's right around the size that I say minimum. How big is all based on CG for me personally. Yep. See, I mean, I, I go half a tank, half a tank full of fuel, and then size my receiver pack according to have it CG out for that, and then that's what I run. If that's going to be the 2100, then so be it. If that's going to be a 4000, then it is what it is. But that's how I personally do it. Jesse, do you know how many milliamps you're pulling a flight? I was going to say, I think I'm a little bit lower than what you were quoting. I think I was around the 300 Um yeah, no, and that's kind of that's a what different. The, that's what the BK, yeah, BK's all around. Like you said, high voltage servos, but yeah, pretty much the exact same thing. And that's what I actually did when I got the N7. And when I was trying to get it to CG out, you know, with the canopy on, with the canopy off, always with a half a tank of fuel, I actually strapped some lead weights on the front. And I kept, you know, adding weight until, okay, CG, ah, really close. Add another little piece. Okay, dead on. And then ended up adding all the weight that I added. And that's how I determined uh, the battery size on that one. And so, as you guys have probably heard me mention in the past, that one ended up at like a 4,000 2S um, pack. But, you know, that's where it CGs out. That's where the heli flies good. So, yeah. And then as far as a minimum, you know, I'm not so sure I would set an absolute minimum just because of the fact if you have to run small, I would base it all off the CG in my opinion. If you have to run a smaller pack, then they're probably cheap and you can buy a couple of them. 
Yeah, that's true. But then, um, even then, like the trim flights of today's flybarless systems are getting pretty impressive. Like I know the V bar and um, the three digis was freaking yeah, awesome. So you, I don't know if I'd go throw like a eight hundred milliamp pack on my N seven with it CGing out at a four thousand milliamp pack. No, no, I hear you. I mean, it, so, it can, it, it can. I'm it, not oh, saying yeah, it's it, not it going to work. work, but. You've got a little more. I w- me personally, I wouldn't drop below like a sixteen hundred mm-hmm. if that was still too heavy. I'd just be like, gotcha. "Hey, here's the deal." I don't. I mean, a sixteen. I. Uh, that's actually also something. Justin will get to you in just a sec. That I also I changed my rules of discharge. You know, like pack like flight packs were going down to about twenty percent. I usually always try and leave a flight worth in there left yep. um and and don't go below that so like a 1600 i would put probably three flights on and then swap it out um it, but again that's over time yep just learning learning and charging do one flight charge do one flight charge and really getting that good average down justin what do you do oh well i i think i think you guys already nailed it for me, it's all about the CG um, with, you know, a slight consideration for capacity and weight of the pack. Um, if if the CG is off a little bit, I mean, kind of to the point that you are making, Nick, with regard to the fly barless systems nowadays, then I'm not too worried about it. But it, it really comes down to what is going to get your helicopter balanced. Um, and some people may choose receiver packs with and without canopies, depending on how much you fly. Uh, you know, I can say in recent experience on the NX7, I chose a 5,000 milliamp hour pack, 2S, largest pack I've ever flown as a receiver pack. Usually I flew between, I don't know, 1,500 and 3,000 to keep the weight down despite having a non-optimal CG. Here, I said, you know what? I'm going to try it the different way. I'm going to try to try to nail the CG and not worry about the extra 80 or so grams, and it's perfectly fine. And what's nice about it, 5,000, I put seven flights on it last weekend, and they were like eight or nine-minute flights for break-in. And uh, after seven flights, I swapped it out to the other receiver pack, but I still was at like 3.86 per cell. So, Jeez. I mean, the, the upside of that, okay, is the convenience, right? Yeah. Is CG optimal? In this case, it is. It may not be in other people's cases. Is weight optimal? No. I added, you know, a couple of tens of grams more than I necessarily needed to. But damn it, dude, I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't awesome that I could go out with a gallon of fuel a helicopter, a transmitter, and one RX pack, and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. Been there. Dan, what do you think? Same thing. CG. CG? Yeah, it's um the 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 goblins we didn't really worry about it. We we went, you know, because I well I, I'm getting about four flights out of a twenty two hundred milliamp uh pack. And they do CG out a little. I, I probably could go bigger. Um, they CG oh, yeah. out a little tail heavy. 
<laughs> but it's not for especially where I'm at with flying, it's not as crucial, right? <clears throat> no, and we opted I know like Carl's on his he has a, a big older like A one two three pack to get it to CG, right? And again, okay, so here's where I'm willing to rely on the flybarless system. In the case of a gasser, I mean, uh, with what I would personally want and where we're going to get Dan by midsummer, it's going to be pushing <laughs> it. So we want the weight down. Keep the weight down because you're already dealing with right. something that is relatively underpowered. So in that case, you know, pick a lighter receiver pack. We'll do an auto trim flight on it and get it all trimmed out to where it's fine. Yep. Same thing, like 700, I wouldn't worry about. 600, you, you know, you, you there's no way, I don't CG or not, you wouldn't see me putting a 5,000 milliamp pack on a 600 because well, the, the power to weight just isn't there. And that's going to make, you know, a, a lot bigger difference on a 600 than it would a 700. Yeah, and one of the things you just mentioned was, you know, you can get it, tuned up and you can do a trim flight but something to point out with that is consistency is important if you are going to go away from where it cgs out perfectly make sure that you're buying the same pack the same yes. weight so that yep. once you do get it trimmed out you can swap your packs out you know charge one while you're flying one yep and everything stays the same yep yes sir cool um oh he also asked here hey can you really store a lipo in the fridge or was that a joke <laughs> That's not a joke. Not nope. a joke. And I actually store some at damn near freezing at work. That's what you should do, dude. Nope. Nice. Did I end up ever... I, I don't think I actually posted that data yet, did I? No, but we need to. We do. And maybe I'll put that in with the with the battery review. I could do that. We'll add it in there as well. Just yeah. so people yeah. can yeah, see it. Sure. Like the more... <laughs> the more information out there, the better. But yep. the gist of it was that the cooler you store your batteries, the better. And yep. storing them at very hot temperatures is really friggin' bad. <laughs> um, uh, his final question was, is it safer to use uh, the LIFE in a transmitter instead of a LiPo? Short answer, yes in my opinion, safer enough to make it not worth putting a LiPo in there? No. I've ran LiPos in my transmitter almost before it was popular to run LiPos in my transmitter. Yeah. I was putting LiPos in mine with little teeny inline regulators in there <laughs> when, they were, when the voltage was too high because LiPos are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, as long as you... You know, as long as you understand, like, if you're going to put a LiPo in a transmitter that was not designed for it, you just need to be aware that you cannot, and I say designed, when you plug your factory charger into the transmitter, that is set up for the battery that came with that transmitter out of the factory. That's mm -hmm. a, if that's a NICAD or nickel metal hydride pack or whatever, that's what it's set up to charge, and that whole little charging system is all gone through the actual radio. So, like back in the day, the, on my 8FG, I ran a 2100 milliamp to, was it 2S? Yeah, 2S pack in that. But I pulled it out to charge it, 
and I charged it on my charger like any other regular LiPo. Now, yep. like the V-Control, that's what they have in there is a 1S LiPo, so it's not a big deal. Anyone care to agree, disagree? No, I, no. I agree. I was just going to say, I think technically on paper, maybe Justin can correct me, I think the LIFE pack is a slightly more stable cell chemistry it is. than oh, the LiPo. More. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. But... But as long as you're following the, you know, not over discharging, not overcharging, um, staying within all the general accepted practices for charging a lipo, I don't. I mean, I, I would say they're a very safe battery within those within the design parameters of the cell chemistry. Yeah, I I would agree with you completely, Jesse. And I would add to that that, and you know, I may may not be a hundred percent correct on this, but nowadays. Don't most transmitters have low voltage alarms? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're... But, okay, but you need to make sure, because I remember like the 14 and the, or the 8FG was this way and the 14SG, you set your own. Yes. Yep. So just make sure that you go in and change your low voltage alarm accordingly. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah, so you, I, I guess you could say lipos may be considered more dangerous than LIFEs in transmitters when used by people who are not sufficiently informed. Yes, yeah. because if you have I, a yeah. if you have Retards. a you know six volt transmitter setup, right? And so let's say it runs off six volts, so it's um, four. Four regular like double A batteries or that style pack, okay. So six volt base system. In that case, and there's no alarm difference in it. Well, so the low voltage alarm might be at what four and a half volts, something like that. If that four, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, really low. Yeah. Now you pop in your two S lipo in there. And you're running it at, say, 7.4 volts or whatever, 8 volts, and it doesn't burn up. So you're like, woohoo, life's good. If you leave it on and you run it down to 4 volts, now you're talking a very bad situation. Like, real bad. Not going to be a happy lipo. And then you go, oh, crap, I left it on. Totally not good. And then you try and charge it back up. Now you're running into that, into that danger zone. So you you have to be smart about it if the light if the transmitter is not designed around running different Okay. Indeed. Well thank you. Uh Garvey, we appreciate you sending those questions. I think it's clear that within this past year, Rev Electrics is taking battery charging to a whole new level. Within the last year, we have seen the all new bump charging system announced and the release of the GT500 charger. The bump charger is something that no one has ever done or seen before. The list of features includes a complete touchscreen interface, charger setup with just the bump of a battery, and V-Bar battery ID integration for all you V-Bar fans out there. So for more information, be sure to check out revelectrics.com. Let's see. On to the next one. Uh, Jason Bird wrote one. And this one, oh, man. <laughs> Dan. Dan, my man. This one's all you. 
Um, uh, so he says, I've been flying again for six months now after a break for a few years. I've got a Ra- Raptor 50 Titan SE with the Redline 53, and I'm following the pilot proficiency program. I've just started at level three, and I'm having an absolute blast. I love my Raptor, but spares are starting to get harder to come by. My local stair- store has stopped stocking any RC helis now, um, now forced to buy from the internet. I've just seen the releases at Rotor Live and I've always wanted a Goblin, but but have refrained so far as I think that would be a waste. But now I can comfortably sport fly and I'm considering upgrading to something that will last me a good while because to be honest, I just want something new and shiny. (laughs) But I think, you know, he's got a couple questions here, but the one that really stuck out was out of interest and hopefully a good discussion for you guys. What do you personally do when a manufacturer plans to or stops producing parts for a heli you own? Do you stock up parts? Do you quickly sell it and move on? I mean, geez, this is like, <laughs> this is a serious struggle. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think? Dan, and I'm going to let you start because. Yeah. I, I'm going to lay some cold, hard facts down here. I'll tell you exactly what you do mm-hmm. with an outdated model. <clears throat> you listen, are you, are you, you listening? I'm ready. Give it. I am so ready, dude. Here's what you do with your outdated model. You put it on the shelf. And about every three months, you look at it and you say to yourself, I'm going to get that son of a bitch flying again someday. <laughs> <laughs> And then you uh, you just come to the cold, hard realization that you either sell it immediately before it's too late, or you're just going to continually tell yourself you're going to get that son of a bitch flying someday. Because guess what? When you And I've got, oh my God, <laughs> I counted them up the other day. I think I got six outdated helis that are just nearly impossible to get parts for. And when it gets to that point, you're not going to get it flying again. I, I've got a helicopter, a JR Ergo 30. It was like their one of their first birds with uh, 120 uh, CCPM, right? Mm-hmm. And for about two years, I was making posts and I was searching through vintage helicopter sites because I needed like a motor mount and a clutch bell mm-hmm. and a tail bell crank. And that helicopter is no more closer to flying than it was the day that it showed up in my possession. So (laughs) you got to make a decision and you got to be honest with yourself. And I don't like to sell helis and that's part of my problem. You know, I, I, because it's a, it's a huge hassle selling a helicopter because inevitably every time I've done it, I get a response. Well, you know, they, they receive it. Well, you didn't tell me about this scratch or, you know, there, I'm just seriously, dude. So keep it if you out of nostalgia if you want, but I can tell you and I can promise you this. I've been saying that I'm going to get that JR Vibe 50 flying again. The last time it flew was about two years ago and it the tail blew off of it. I, and I, I cannot find parts for it. Dan, so I think that was longer than two years ago. <laughs> was it? Yeah. A little bit. It was a, yeah, about four. More. About anyway, seven. I mean, so you, it, it depends. If, if you if you say, here's what I would do. Here's what I'm going to try to do from now on. 
I, I'm either going to, I don't like to sell helis, but if I, if I get to the point where I feel that a machine that I have is not going to be supported, I'm going to make the decision to either retire it and put it in a closet somewhere or get rid of it. Um, sell it if you can. If money is an issue and you want to get get a new heli, get out of that heli before it's too late. But there's a flip side to that because I think that parts tend to, for some helicopters, parts run out before they they take longer to run out than people think. Right, they do. Yes, and they then do. you can really capitalize if you're patient. I I think it has to do with the frequency in which you crash. Myself, because I know guys that'll go two seasons and one crash. Right. Well, if that's the case, wait for all those people like you, or like uh, like a lot of the other hobby, which is like oh, they're discontinuing it. That's it. I'm out. Here's my airframe and a whole bin full of spares for 200 bucks. Dude, <laughs> buy that shit up. It's going to yeah. if the heli flies great for you now, it's going to fly great for you next year and the year after that and just enjoy it. You've already paid for it. It owes you nothing. So just enjoy it. But if you're like me or like Justin, <laughs> who definitely fixed some helicopters throughout the year, then I agree that it might not be the best because for me, flying time is the most precious thing. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the problem, and I agree with that completely, but part of the problem that I had was the time frame in which these machines became outdated because when I started in the hobby, Fly barless wasn't a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these machines that I have, they're all fly barred, right? So I suppose, and it's tough to say, but is there some transition happening in the hobby where the technology is going to change drastically, such as the case with fly barless? I don't think so. Mm, that and that's see. just it. I don't think we're at that place. But if you, you know, but if he's talking about a raptor. I mean, it's time to get rid of that bad boy and get a new one. The Raptor's tough. Yeah. Although that, I mean, that's fly barless. I think. Well, no, actually, nah. I take that back. No, I got. Nah. I had one, which, by the way, that was a really nice flying heli. I liked mine. Wh which one was it? The Titan SE. So the the oh, last yeah. one. It was light. Oh, it was light. It was fast. It was a good heli. I tell you what, what isn't hmm. light and fast is a Raptor 30. <laughs> <laughs> Do a flip. The exact opposite. Yeah. Oh, I made it. I made, so, made it around. I don't know. Justin, what do you think? This one's simple, cut and dry for me. If they discontinue it, that bitch is out. Yeah, you don't hold yeah. much sentimental value to your I have bellies. absolutely no sentimental value. Not even like it's, your starting no, machines? Come nope, on, man. Nope. Seriously? Nope, nope, nope. Absolutely not. That's one reason why I'll never get rid of the Vibe. I, the even only though I, thing I could consider remotely close is my TDR-1, but I frankly don't even think it falls into the same category because while Jan doesn't produce kits anymore, he will continue to stock parts for the next 10 years. Uh, so yeah, from my perspective, it's still yeah. being supported for another decade. 
Yeah, that's fair. No, I would same thing. I would I would sell it because one other angle that I look at it from is if I am looking to get into that next heli, I want a little bit of resale value. And right when that announcement comes out, that's as good as you're going to get for resale. It's only going down from there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, hopefully that, um, that answers that question. Somehow I feel like it didn't. I think it confused him a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's good. It's, per, it's a personal preference thing, man. More to think about now. Okay, so his next question. Now, he says, would you recommend the Goblin Nitro as an intermediate heli, which will allow me to grow? I'm leaning towards Nitro, so I don't fly as often as I should. No excuse, as the local field is a thousand yards from my street. So I don't go through a lot of fuel and I have all the nitro support gear and I have no electric support gear. Ooh, that's a tough one. (sighs) So don't do it, Nick. (laughs) I know I got to play. Don't recommend a heli. You have not flown yet. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm it's the other way around. I'm trying to decide. (laughs) I see what you're doing there. Jesse. You haven't even flown it yet. That's like ultimate no. fanboy hey, level. You just need to <laughs> shut your pie hole and listen for a minute. I'm going to say no, I wouldn't. Not because of the goblin portion of it. I'm. I just feel like a progression. Uh, uh, okay. An intermediate heli which will allow me to grow. I feel like. That's not fuel. Now, my big asterisk there is that I grew on fuel. And a lot of us grew on fuel. Dan, you did the majority of all your flights on fuel. Yes. And you grew. But I also know all of the struggles that I went through and the expense of it. And as you get better... The problems become more often, I I believe. Like as you're pushing your motors harder, you're flying the models harder. So I anytime I see intermediate heli, which will allow me to grow, I I mean, I lean more towards electric. I would as well, um, but if your heart is set on nitro. It still shouldn't be a 700, J- just from a cost perspective. It's much more yeah. expensive to blow up a 700, you know, a 90, uh, you know, a 90 size nitro motor than it is to blow up a 50. Well, not to yeah. mention the, the cost per flight. This is oh, true yeah. too. How many more flights you get out of yeah, you're a talking single what? gallon of fuel? Seven versus 11? 12, yeah, 11, 12, depending on the model. Yeah. So, I. Uh, Nitro's not cheap. No, it's not no, cheap, it's and not. I get it. Like it's just but, different. It's 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 not all up front. Like yeah, okay, you're gonna spend two hundred bucks. Let's let's just say, I you know I'm gonna beat the tar out of this five seventy name, but let's just say five seventy. Yeah, you're gonna spend a couple hundred bucks for you know for two packs or you know two hundred thirty bucks or two forty or whatever. 
And yeah, you're going to have to buy a charger. I get it. But but a case of nitro goes fast. Yeah, though I I would I don't know. The only thing just from reading looking into this specific situation and the question, it doesn't sound like you know, he talks about I don't go through a lot of fuel. He doesn't have any support gear for electric. I mean, you can kind of counter that argument with those two points going, maybe a case of nitro is going to last him a lot longer than it would you or I. And the electric support gear can be expensive. I mean, what if you don't have a generator, don't have a big battery charger, you know, you know, probably don't obviously don't have any lipos to start with. There's a lot of stuff that goes into flying an electric back to back to back and progressing on one out at the field. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of money there. I, I guess I think the decision needs to be made first, which is where do you want to go in the hobby? If you really say, you know what, it's been a while, but I really want to give it a heave-ho. I want to push to get better. I really do. Then I feel that the electric thing is a worthwhile investment. But if you say, you know, I hear myself saying that, but I kind of have the reality that I'm just going to go out there and fly for fun, you know, and maybe burn up, you know, a gallon a month or something like that, then stay 600 nitro and, and just enjoy it. I put a butt ton of flights on my N five C and thoroughly enjoyed that and progressed a lot on it. So, you know, and there's one thing too about moving into nitro. If you've not done it is, is that, you know, the the whole tuning thing. Now, it's not a mystical science, and you can actually get good at it fairly quick, but that that really steers a lot of people away from nitro. Um, yeah. So if you feel like, I mean, because see, some guys, some guys know that they're mechanically inclined, or they, they've, they've, you know, they work on engines, or they've got experience with engines, so it's really not that big of a deal, but... Some guys, like um, Ed, for instance, you know, he was considering a nitro uh, way back in the day, and I'm just like, no, dude, you don't, you don't no. want to do that, you know, because that that can really take away a lot of fun from the hobby if you feel like every time you fly, all you're gonna do is fight with a tune. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because no, there just- are days where. You're just, it's not going to happen. You're, yeah, you're fighting just, a losing battle. Put yeah, it down, right. go to the next one. Yeah. And, and that does not help. I'm going to assume that in his case, you know, since he's got the the Raptor 50 and, you know, with a, with a 53, and those weren't exactly the yeah, most forgiving tune motors of all time either. They were kind of yeah. finicky. That, you know, yeah. he's he's good got, there. Got some experience. Yeah, there, yeah, got some experience. But I it's... It's tough, man. I mean, you, I I think you got to want it. You know, if you're going out there to progress and your goal is to progress and get better, I believe that in the long run, you know, thousand flights later, I think you'll get farther with an electric for less money. But if you're just going out there to have fun and watch smoke and you enjoy that portion of it, then you just you can't beat a nitro. I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's got soul, baby. That's right. 
This last year, as I was working through the RC Heli Nation Pilot Proficiency Program, it became crystal clear that tuning and setup were crucial to having a precise flying heli. Luckily, the Soko Heli tool can make an accurate setup seem effortless. In addition, the compatibility with iOS and Android raises the bar to a whole new level. If you're ready to get the most out of your setup, be sure to visit soko-heli-tools.com. Oh, his third question, man, this one is, I, I don't even have an answer to this. I didn't want to ignore it, Jason, so I'm going to I'm gonna say it, but then please, I'm going to apologize for the laughing ahead of time. Uh, he says, I've been playing around with my first fly barless system, an Align G Pro plus a high-tech Aurora A9. Four fifty recently too. Spent a Isn't lot of time researching and setting it up. The only thing I am unsure of is: Do I program Cyclic Expo in the flybarless or the transmitter? I've been playing around as, as it is too twitchy, and I can't get my Expo dialed in. How my flybar four fifty feels? Isn't that a A nine that Aurora? Isn't it that one that's got like two seconds of lag? It's. Yeah, and I knew that was that was the yep. first thing I thought of. It answers the question you asked it five seconds ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Jason, what we're talking about is latency. You don't hear it much anymore. Back about well, right about the time when that when that radio came out, um, there was a big uh, latency was like the thing. You know, get finding the radio with the fastest latency. And originally, the fastest one that was like benchmark that came out was the Airtronics. The, what was it? SD10G? Is that right? Yep. I believe so. And that, that thing was fast. It was like 11 milliseconds. It was way faster than anything else. And then the others come started coming out. And that's where you got uh, Spectrum came out with their, what was it? Oh, man. Now I got to remember the names. DX7? No, it was the second mode. Was it, you remember there was like the original Spectrum satellites and then there was like the faster receivers. That DSMX. Had, was it DSM? Are you talking about? No. Nah. Well, it was DSM, DSM2, and DSMX. Yeah, maybe that was, it was something in there that made those faster. And then Futaba was, you know, someone did this, all this latency testing. It was like a, an RC group's thread on all the different radios out there. And it, it was just like such a big wiener swinging contest. It was like, oh, <laughs> I could not fly that because <laughs> that's got 13 milliseconds and I really need 11 milliseconds. All right. So what that, it did push the manufacturers in the direction of getting their latency down, which is good. But rewinding back to the high tech, and this is a side note and has absolutely nothing to do with your question, but I thought a lot of people would find it interesting. The high tech has one of the highest latencies out of all yeah. to the point where you'll probably notice that you don't see a lot of helicopter guys flying with the high tech. And that is the single and sole reason why when it came out features wise with the touchscreen and all that, it was an awesome you, radio. You had one, Nick, didn't you? Nick? No, I did not. I never oh, bought one yeah. because of the latency, but it was cool, man. I mean, yeah. it was really cool, but 
it the latency was so big it was a noticeable difference to a proficient pilot so anyway um align g pro sorry i don't have an answer for that i except for giggle giggle i believe well no i don't think there's any flybarless system how about this um i don't believe that there's any flybarless system that you can hurt by putting Expo in the transmitter. Now, you know, like a lot of them can almost kind of go either way. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, because like, you know, back V-Bar 5.3, you could put it in the cyclic menu in the V-Bar. You could change the Expo on the tail in the V-Bar, but a lot of people just did it in the transmitter if you wanted more. Same thing with the icon. You could do it either way there, too. I only ever do it in my transmitter. That's weird, because, see, I've usually only ever done it in my flybarless system. Because you couldn't do it in a Beast X, could you? You had to do it in the transmitter with no, Beast No, there X. isn't Beast. Well, at least last time yeah. I flew it, there wasn't. No, there that's wasn't. right. Yeah, Beast X had to go in the transmitter. Yeah. So, Jason, I think, you know, if it has a... An obvious slider for Expo, then go with it in the flybarless system. But since you're coming back from the flybar days, you, you'll be just fine putting it in the transmitter. I mean, where you're at, yeah, once you get to where you're working on your Puro TikToks and stuff like that, you will have learned that system to the point where you know that it's going to be the best. But um, it, it's not going to hurt to put it in the transmitter. So don't fly it if it's too twitchy. Dial some in and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Well, that wraps nice. those up. Sweet. What do you think? Do we have time to go into this next one? Or do you want to save it for next week? Save it because don't forget we have Jack's thing. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's true, dude. And we're already at 20430 yeah. of useful content. All righty, guys. Keep those questions coming because that's uh, those are fun to do. But uh, But, you know... Cowboy up, put your, you know, big girl panties on, and record something for us too, right? Yep. Yep. After changing my custom charging case about 12 times now, I've really come to appreciate what the guys at Progressive RC bring to the hobby. With a huge selection of charging accessories such as balance boards, charge leads, connectors, adapters, case fans, and more, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need to make your custom charging system really shine. And if you're not interested in going DIY style, then hit them up for one of their turnkey charging systems. Just choose your options and you'll be charging in no time. Head on over to www.progressiverc.com today and get that spark back into your hobby. Aggressive RC, taking charging to the next level. So moving along, we um, last week we had a great interview with uh, Jack in Kalispell talking about his accident. Um, soon after we released that show, I got two emails uh, wondering, have, they had a few questions there, wondering the one thing we didn't talk about in that interview was the details behind what happened with the AMA if anything happened with the AMA. 
as far as their insurance and, you know, the fact that he wasn't flying on a AMA chartered field, that kind of stuff. I mean, this is a pretty serious accident. And the total cost of this was somewhere in the neighborhood of $27,000, right? Mm-hmm. Get get his arm repaired. So middle of the week, Nick and I got together and we we got Jack back on to do just a short little interview. And we're going to let him tell you guys uh, the answers to those questions. Uh, so we'll play that right now. And we'll be back right after that. So we're going to bring Jack on again. We want to do a part two because there was a large part of the conversation. Well, not maybe not a large part, but an important part of the conversation that Jack actually had notes for. Uh, I didn't even really think about it, but uh, I got a few listener emails. And the one topic we didn't really cover was how did the AMA respond to Jack's story of last week? So I've got Jack on again, and um, so Jack, you know, that's one thing we probably should have went over. I know you had notes, but we're going to take this opportunity in a short little part two interview to kind of get, you know, let us know, you know, because we've all got questions about the AMA. Do they actually cover, you know, and all that good stuff. And I want to hear your side of the story. How did the AMA react to your accident? Well, actually, they reacted very well. It was, I didn't didn't respond to it or didn't report it as soon as I should have, you know, you have a year to, that they're, they will cover you. And, uh, to be honest, I wasn't a hundred percent sure I wanted to do that. But when I started looking at the hospital bills and I'm self-employed and I have no insurance and I was paying all of this stuff and I thought, you know, all I can do is say, no, you know, they can turn me down. So I got a hold or I went on the website, um, modelaircraft.org and went under AMA documents, soft safety and member benefits and found the form I needed and what I needed to do. And I made a phone call to the AMA and they told me what forms I needed to fill out, which was the A and D and D claim report. I sent that into them. Um, there's a couple little parts. It talks about who's the principal member involved um, time of accident, detailed description of accident, uh, witnesses, they want to know model information, uh, they want to know weight, what it was, how it was, you know, how it was powered, they want to know your um, radio of choice, then they want to know if you have any other insurance, and this is a notarized document that you send in to them, once they received all that, then it was turned over to their insurance company who uh, underwrites this insurance. They sent me information requesting all my medical bills, um, everything from the doctors that I had. And if I'd have been on top of this when the accident happened, it wouldn't have been near as big a hassle, but I waited 11 months. And so it took me a little bit of a while to chase down, and I kind of thought I was going to get to the point where they're going to deny it because of time frame, but be honest, the AMA paid $24,250, which is $25,000 minus the $750 deductible. Huh. And it would have been a very simple process if I would have done it in the beginning. But um, I had no backlash from them. There was nothing saying, there was no question, actually. It was just paid. They paid to the hospital. They paid my surgeons. If I had already paid something off, which there's multiple things that I had paid completely, I got a check. So, so I have no qualms. In talking with you um, Monday, 
when this question was brought to me via a listener email. Uh, one of the first questions I asked you, and I was completely surprised by your response because, you know, a lot of times, and I've even wondered, I've even said something about it on the show. Sure. Yeah, they'll cover you if you are at an AMA field, but you were not at a charter field. I was not, and that question was never brought up. They didn't even um, ask you. They didn't even ask me. You know, if it huh. would have been part of a competition, then they want the um, the competition director to fill out paperwork and stuff. But seeing how this was, you know, just me personally, there was no question. So how many years have you belonged to the AMA? Mm, not near enough to pay off what they've paid for me. <laughs> um, actually, I joined the AMA probably eight months before that. Remember the first time I came flew, flew with you? Yeah. Um, your field required AMA? Yeah. That's when I joined. So it was, Oh, geez. Yeah, it wasn't that long. It's, I, huh. Does I that am indebted to them, so. What do you think about that, Nick? I think it's, I mean, it's awesome. Are you, uh, does it surprise? I mean, are you. I am a little surprised, I, but I think that's kind of a, uh, a, a little bit of a douchey thing for me to say because I don't have any, I don't have any reason to, you know, maybe that's very stereotypical and judgmental of me to, to say that well, I am surprised because normally they're. Historically, they have been a little bit slow acting and generally kind of behind on stuff. And this almost seems like completely opposite. Like it was an easy process and it went smoothly and it went fairly quickly. And that is that it's, you know, it's refreshing. I mean, it's it makes me feel uh, as a member makes me feel a lot better that kind of you know as long as i'm not flying like an idiot somewhere that i really shouldn't be that i can be out flying at a private field you know uh, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere and i still will be covered and it you know obviously covering the safety of other people around me so i, I like that so can you guys recognize this sound that's me eating crow <laughs> Yeah, licking it I'm right off the bone. Licking it right off my fingertips, man. I, I got to admit, well, I no. was very I vocal in that skepticism. I mean, you know, a few years back. Um, I What can I say? I stand corrected. I, I think that's fantastic. I do, too. I mean, we we very seldom get to talk about this aspect of it or know anybody that's had anything involved in it. And I had my notes for that day and I guess I was a little bit nervous and I stopped before we got to it. But, you know, I really appreciate what the AMA did and their insurance. I mean, that's part of what we all pay in for. Yeah, the dues have went up, but they'll never cover, I'll never pay enough for what they've taken care of for me. Um, I'll always be a member of the AMA, even if I stop flying. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let me get your guys' thoughts on this because I, I don't. Maybe it's maybe it's unnecessary. Maybe maybe it's better to just assume that organizations like this are in fact working in our favor. But do you think? Do you think maybe I don't know? Should they be more? I don't know. Is it braggadocious if they talk about? 
the successes of these types, I mean, they don't have to get specific with it, but couldn't they do like a yearly report? Uh, hey guys, just, just a FYI to our members, you know, we had this many, uh, maybe they do. And I just don't know about it. You know, uh, some type of statement saying we had X amount of claims and we paid this much out. This is what your membership's doing. Oh, well, that would be a good idea. I've I, never I think, seen that. Yeah. I do. And maybe think they do. And good. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. That's fair too. But I, Hey, what? you know what? I, I, I stand corrected, and I whenever you know, look, I, I had I had my um, <laughs> uneducated suspicions that that these incidences, these types of incidents, were largely ignored, and I just, I mean, firsthand proof right here. I mean, straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, this this is um, it's good. It's good to know. You know, I I don't think it took more than. Two months total process from the time I first made it until everything was paid off. So in my mind, it was not a long, drawn-out process. It was more me trying to get all the paperwork that they needed that I would have had if I'd have done it a month after the accident instead of 11 months. I think what's um, most striking about it is I feel like based on what you told us in conversations that you and I had this earlier this week was they didn't try – to get out of paying the claim. You know what I mean? They didn't, because sometimes companies will do that or insurance companies will do that. They'll, they'll try to figure out a way to just not have to do it. But it sounds to me like they didn't give you the third degree. They just literally said, Oh, here we go. We'll handle it. You know, I was really surprised. I figured I'd get calls from adjusters and trying to, you know, well, we'll pay this much or we'll figure this. But it, it wasn't. They paid right up to the maximum. And I think if the maximum would have been more, they'd have taken care of more. But they paid everything that they were legally obligated to do without even questioning it to me. Maybe there was some vaccine stuff. But I, you know, the pictures I sent you, I sent even more to them. And with an in a sealed envelope saying, you know, if you need to look at these, fine, but they're at your discretion. I don't know <laughs> if that helped at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. I mean, um, uh, gold star in my AMA little, uh, next time I go to gripe about them, I'll, I'll remember this. How does that sound? It is a mighty <laughs> novel of you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> We all still have some concerns with certain sure. things, but this yeah, this one has know, been really good. You know, the AMA has you know this this is this happened a long time ago. Uh, you know, I mean, but recently, maybe it's because I'm paying more attention to what's happening. Um, but I will uh, say that uh, the last two times on the show I've talked about the AMA, it's been very positive. It has. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> I can change. <laughs> well, yeah, that's cool. Well, that's good. I'm not set in my ways. I'm not. I'm not well, a planker. Yeah. On uh, the heli heli freak um, forums, there was a couple questions about uh, first aid kits. Have you done any research on that, Dan? For the people, I was actually folks? while we were talking, I was actually writing a response to that. Very. Okay. I, I, I'm kind of. I was going into quite a bit of detail and. Um, because there's a big difference between, as you know, Jack, a first aid kit and a trauma kit. Oh, absolutely, kit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and with the trauma kit, there's a there's an implied uh, qualification. Yeah, level of just, training. 
just because you have access to those tools doesn't mean you should use them because if you do use them, there are legal implications. Yep. And uh, people need to be aware of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm briefly going over it. Uh, not in great detail. I'm actually writing that response. I'll finish it up tonight. Feel free to add to it, but it's, it's just kind of a basic. No, I just had a couple websites that I'd used in the past that I was just going to pass on, but I'm, you've got this handled, man. Yeah. I mean, trauma kit, there's a bit, <laughs> that's a, that's a tall order, but, uh, I think there are a few basic tools that will, you would find in a trauma kit that you could easily put into a first aid kit. Uh, a lot of things in a basic first aid kit wouldn't have really helped you, Jack, in that situation. No, I needed bulky abdominal pads or bulky compresses that just wasn't in a small first aid kit. And that's, right. you know, that's Some where the trauma part comes in. That kind of stuff, yeah. You know, the tourniquet aspect, and that's kind of funny because we didn't have anything you know, other than four by fours or paper towels. And I didn't want them to put paper towels in my arm because it was so open. I didn't want all those fibers in there. So son, Ryan, he's just, I used to be a scoutmaster and he was in the troop and he just remembers, oh, well, he used his belt and just lightly put it around my arm and tightened it when the bleeding was getting a little bad and then let off. And I didn't have any arterial flow, which I was very, very lucky, but you know, tourniquet was just something that made me chuckle a little bit. Yeah, and that's something you're not going to find. Not only are you not going to find it, but you're not going to, without a little bit of research, you're not going to really know how to use a tourniquet properly because, like you nope. said, you can do more damage than good if you're not careful. Absolutely. But that's a whole other discussion. Uh, and I, I, one thing I do want to say before we go is um, we, we've been getting a pretty good response to this episode. A lot of folks are, are kind of piping up and, and uh, putting uh, their two cents in. Uh, it's a, it's an important topic. I don't think it's one, like you mentioned, Jack, that we should dwell on. It's just something we should think about. Uh, stuff like first aid kits, you know, I, I think if we just, you know, if, if we just kind of brought that topic to the forefront and people are thinking about that coming into this season, that's a positive. So it, it is. That's the whole thing we wanted to accomplish was this was just, just think just a little bit and one step closer to safety. Yeah. So again, Jack, thanks for coming on for a small part two and uh, we're glad uh, things ended well and I'm tickled to pink uh, to find out about the, uh, the AMA response to your incident. So thanks. Excellent. Guys. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Jack. Catch you later, man. All Talk right, later, guys. Jack. Bye. So there it is. There's the uh, answer to the questions. Didn't see that I was one surprised. Coming. No, I, I was shocked. And in fact, when I got that email, the first one, I was like, I don't know why I didn't even think about asking that question. Yeah. I guess because I knew he wasn't flying in an AMA field. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I didn't. But, and, um, I got to tell you, that's good <laughs> because that was an expensive accident. Right. And what a relief that must've been for Jack to, uh, to finally figure out. I think he said his total out of pocket expense was somewhere in the neighborhood of $750. Right. That's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's yeah, cool. it really makes me like go, wow, you need to be better uh, every year not letting your AMA lapse. Because exactly. I renew mine every year, right? But right be- right before the football uh, season. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, and I can admit a fault here, and this this is Nick's fault. I I'm really bad about it because I don't fly at a sanctioned field. 
in the past, I have, and I know better, yes, don't, save the lectures, because I know this is stupid, but I'm always like, yeah, I'll get it when I need it, and I'll I'll remember to do it when I need it, which is usually standing in line to sign in at Othello. Yep. I go, oh, oh shit. Crap, shit. And I pull out my phone and I update it right then and there. They're like, where's yep. your card? And you're like, hey, look, it's my email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got the email. I paid. I paid. Yeah. And it's not because I'm trying to get out of it or anything. I just forget. But this is a great example of why I should not yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, and my t- my one of the big things that this was very... I just think awesome was how they didn't put him through the ringer, making him prove this, that, or the other. They didn't like, Oh, let us see photos of the field. Let's make sure, you know, cause that was one of the gripes that I had. It's like, yeah, they say they pay these, even if you're not flying, but how easy is it for them to get out of that claim when you can't necessarily have evidence that you were following the AMA guidelines. Right. You know what I mean? Because Are you're going you to try to a lot of it. Exactly. But they didn't, they didn't even ask him one question about that. I mean, they just yeah. didn't, they just handled the business and, hmm. um, got it all resolved. And, and like Jack said, he even put it off almost, you know, he's got a year, right? <laughs> Literally the 11th hour, the 11th month. He went ahead and submitted it after paying a lot of those bills himself and they reimbursed what he paid, you know? So that's awesome. Kudos. Good job. AMA. I mean, when you, when you get it right, you get it right. And it's uh, worth mentioning. Um, I, I just wish, I wish that, and I don't know, maybe they, like I said in the interview, maybe they do, but you know, it, maybe a little more vocal about these wins. You know, I know they can't go into details, but I don't know. And like I said, maybe they do have some kind of publication that says, oh, yeah, we had 200 claims this year, whatever the number may be. And, you know, we all 200 of them were paid or 99.8. all of them or 90%. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know, because then it, that's one thing that makes me less apprehensive about sending that 75 bucks, Right. Yeah. Whatever the cost is now. I just read up to him. Is that what it is now? 85? Yep. It's like, okay, well, everything aside, like Jack said, <laughs> for the rest of his flying career, he will ne- he will always be ahead of the game because he's, you know, $27,000. That's a lot of AMA. It's like That's going a lot of a AMA membership. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No offense, Jack. You're not that young, buddy. I mean, Got at least ten good years. It really does. Dan, <laughs> <laughs> it really does make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's good, good to hear. It is good to hear. Glad to hear it. And um, I there's a few other guys that got in touch with me that uh, said very similar stories. Uh, AMA didn't even you know that. Uh, Chad Carlin even mentioned that the AMA aspect of of his accident was the easiest part of dealing with that. So yeah, that's fantastic. Love it. It is. So thanks Jack for sharing your story. It it was a, it it was a, it was a topic that resonated with a lot of people. We had a lot of good feedback. 
from that that episode. So yeah, I gotta uh, say, I mean, obviously, I wasn't there last week, and I listened to it for the first time on Monday, like all the other listeners did, and I I've got to echo the thanks, Jack, for for stepping up and sharing. Uh, it was. It was a pretty profound episode or specifically interview for me because, as I've said before, I almost hit myself with my 770 and was lucky enough to jump out of the way. And it landed about six inches or a foot from my legs when it finally came to a stop. Uh, And that was because I wasn't paying attention when I was setting it up. That was my mistake. And, uh, you know, that was a couple of years back and sometimes you get relaxed about the safety thing, uh, and, and don't always think about the consequences. So hearing that interview kind of made me snap out of it and say, you know what, next time you go to the field, you got to be on top of things, man, because just like he says, it, it, it only takes a second, a second to screw something up, to not notice what you just did. And it's it's all over. And so, any topic that uh, gets Reyes to send an email, you know, is a good topic, right? <laughs> did did Reyes oh, send geez. an email? Oh yeah. yeah, I was actually Reyes. I was disappointed. Uh, I mean, not necessarily in the content of what you had to say, but the length was very disappointing. Too short. Too short Too for short. a Reyes email. Yeah. Too short. Oh. <laughs> You better watch what you <laughs> yeah, wish Yeah, you better be prepared. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was good to hear from Rez. He he just was echoing that that whole safety aspect, and um, you know we we joke around with Rez uh, quite a bit. That's a tough job. Someone has to do it. Um, I'm glad it's not me, <laughs> right? But someone has to keep reminding us, and I think these type of uh, reminders are a good thing. And, and, um, you know, the, the topic, uh, talking about first aid kits and, you know, I'm sure there's several first aid kits at every fun fly, but nobody knows where any of them are at. Are at yeah. Right? I'm going to get, I'm going to get a good one sure. for the trailer. Yeah. I put oh, it you- on my list of things to do for the fun fly this yep. year. I actually Wednesday, I, I forgot to mention this, but I had my first aid kit in my trailer and I actually, we had to use it. One of the plankers was, um, not really paying attention to what he was doing and a big nitro, um, airplane was on the, the little starting benches that they have, you know, to hold the wings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he reached around to, um, I don't know, turn a needle or maybe disconnect his glow driver and, uh, popped his thumb. With a with the prop, oh, yeah, hit him. It didn't, you know, it was it. It just skimmed him, so it didn't really cut into him, but it did skin a good portion of that pad on his palm. On his palm, right. So I had the first aid kit, and uh, we were able to kind of get it triaged a little bit. So that kit I'll, come with a free pair of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was uh, very minor. It was, I mean, it could have been. I mean, this was a big, I mean, it's like an 86 inch wingspan. It's not a small nitro, Um, but it could have been much worse than it was. It wasn't that big of a deal, but nonetheless, hey, first aid kit, handy and ready to go. Awesome. Nice. 
You never know when you might have to use them. And on that note, I think it's about time to wrap this one up. Let's do it. Uh, let's see. Let's do some emails first. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You would send me an email to nick at rchellynation.com or catch me on Facebook at Nick Lynn RCHN. How about you, Jesse? You would send me an email to jesse at rchellynation.com or you can catch me on Facebook as well. And Justin? You could send me an email to justin at rchellynation.com or catch me on Facebook or the forums as Justin Pucci. You can catch me at dan at rchellynation.com. Dan K. Reed on the forums and Facebook. And uh, a few little reminders. We still have some apparel and your events. If you could send those to Ken at rchellynation.com, give him the details. We'll get that put on our calendar, on our webpage. Uh, I'd like to remind you to check Facebook. Appreciate your support there. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say we are croaching right up on 5,000. Yeah, dude, very close. Yes, that's amazing. Uh, Again, uh, our website, um, new for the most part. It's been out for a few months, but uh, go check it out. You can check out the uh, tech tips, um, all that good stuff. Find out what we're doing. And um, like I said, the events calendar, you can see what's happening in your area if there is anything. And I think that about does it. This has been episode 227. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Black Thunder. Black Thunder. Later, guys. Later, dudes. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools. Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. <laughs>